Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Thank you very much, guys, for coming on uh, this uh, uh, The Business World and Mindset podcast. So this is a special Malawi episode, just talking to you guys as the experts in your different fields, just uh, to get a sense of uh, the what, what uh, I'm, I'm calling like the, the, the temperature, you know, with the recent changes of uh, on the political scene, for example, you know, how is that feeding into uh, people across different sectors in terms of their expectations of what uh, uh, the government will do, their confidence levels, what uh, um, uh, thing, how things will happen, how they will benefit them. And also just uh, the scene in terms of um, opportunities uh, and the abilities of people who, uh, who are out there. Uh, sorry, Brenda is uh, joining. Welcome, Brenda. Hi guys, uh, sorry I'm late. Yeah. That, that's okay. That's okay. I was just uh, giving a quick. We're just uh, getting started now. So okay. Um, uh, yeah, just uh, uh, saying. Uh, for those, if there's a bit of noise in your background, when not speaking, try and put yourself on mute if okay. you can, and then uh, come on and uh, uh, along. So, All right, just give me a second. Let me just. Okay, you carry on. Carry on. Yeah, that's okay. So um, yeah, so that's uh, that's a general idea, but it's pretty much uh, just a roundtable informal setting. We get to discuss various things. So first things is just for each one to just give a quick uh, sort of uh, thirty seconds or whatever about their, themselves, the name, the field they're in, the experience of what they're doing. Just a quick so that people will get to know, you know, which gurus we are speaking or that. So. We just go around uh, the screen in the normal way. So start with JK, Kambani, Peter, and then Brenda. So JK, take it away. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Alex. Uh, I'm Joseph Kamwendo. Uh, I work in the energy sector. I'm a senior project accountant for ESCOM. I, have, I hold a master's degree in business administration. But in my other life, I also do trade union work. So I'm a treasurer general of the Malawi Congress of Trade Union, and and I chair the static network on energy for unions in the energy sector across the sub-Saharan Africa. But all in all, I'm an accountant mm-hmm. working with the World Bank and um, KFW, and that's what we do. So energy sector is our field, and yeah. accounting is the profession. Sure. Cool. Thanks, JK. Quite a, a lot of useful expertise. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, Mr. Chia, over to you. Thank you very much, Alex. Um, my name is Kambani Mchiera. So just like Joseph, I'm also an accountant. And again, just like Joseph, I'm also in the energy sector. <laughs> because I, I work for uh, a petroleum uh, importing and logistics company. Uh, in the capacity of uh, finance manager and uh, company secretary. Mm-hmm. Um, in my spare time, I, I'm also a farmer. So I think basically in a nutshell, that's what I do. Ah, cool. Thank hey, well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So again, yes, fields there. So we're going to tap into that. So 
Mr. Mota, tell me you're not in an energy sector as well. <laughs> uh, and I'm not an accountant as well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, my name is Peter Mota. Um, I hold a bachelor's degree in education and a bachelor's degree in, uh, in laws, uh, owners. Um, I've worked before with the Malachi Manas Commission as uh, this legal counsel, but currently I'm working with the Competition and Fair Trading Commission mm-hmm. as Chief Legal Officer for the Commission. Yeah. So this commission was established um, to promote just competition among yeah. enterprises, business enterprises, mm-hmm. and uh, to promote rights and welfare of consumers. Mm. So that's where I am working as a a lawyer at that institution. Yeah. Yeah. Of yes. I'm a family man. I'm not a farmer and I'm a family man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a chef. <laughs> I'm sure by the end of this discussion, if Kamban has his word, you'll be a farmer by, by, by tomorrow, I'm sure. You'll start farming. Yeah, exactly. You know, he has been my measure, so I think my measure is going to teach me some tips of farming. You know? <laughs> <How to> farm. <laughs> yes. Oh, thanks, Peter. Uh, Brenda, over to you. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I, I feel very uneducated compared to these guys <laughs> with their degrees upon degrees and degrees upon degrees. So my name is Brenda. Uh, I have a degree in biomedical sciences, but I do not work in biomedical science. So I've been working in telecoms in the UK for the last nine years. And prior to that, I've done sales of some description in uh, advertising software. Uh, and more recently, I've set up my own consultancy in business development and sales coaching. So that's me in a nutshell. Cool. Thank, thanks, uh, Brenda. I'm sure you have a lot to say about... Uh, always. <laughs> always. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Linda, over to you. Yeah. We've got enough degrees. Tell us for sure you have no degree, please. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> Over to you, Linda. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Linda Dembo. I have 20 years of experience in policy behavior change. Mm-hmm. Yes, hello, everyone. Um, yeah. I have 20 years experience in policy behavior change. And a qualified education expert, which means I have a degree in education. And um, I have an interest in vocational and financial empowerment, asset creation and job creation. I hope you're able to hear me. I also yeah, have yeah. an interest in sustainable development goals. And um, being, I have an in- interest in the youth being a major priority in the population of the country. You know, the population of Malawi is mainly the youth. So I have a vested interest in the youth, and it's my biggest concern. And the unemployment rates are alarming. And sometimes I have to say uh, it's something has to be done as a matter of priority. So there's need for the government to make deliberate efforts to empower the youth in various skills that will boost Malawi trade and industry potential. So that's why I'm here, and I'm hoping that I'll be able to learn also from the other experts as, as rightly being put. Thank you. 
Cool, cool. Thank, thanks, Linda. Thank you very much. Um, so I guess uh, um, I'll just kick, kick it off by... Uh, oh, did you get that? Pardon? Oh, I should say it again. No, no, no. We, we, we heard all of that. So yeah, we could hear you. But uh, when not speaking, maybe just put yourself on mute or something, uh, just so there's no background uh, noises around. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, I think uh, let's uh, kick it off this way. Like um, you, you guys, obviously, a lot of us here, um, <clears throat> we had a, an opportunity, you know, through KA uh, to, because of our ability and potential to do well, whereby the um, not being able to pay for an education was not a limiting factor. And we got to go through KA and be where we are today. Yeah. So I wanted to gauge currently, like uh, in, in Malawi, yeah, what are the chances that, uh, you know, a kid sitting in uh, Chitipa somewhere or Palombe somewhere or Sanje somewhere who has the ability and the potential and uh, there's equal opportunities for them to be able to realize the same thing guys were able to do. What if, and if, if that is not the case currently, what has changed? What is, what is letting us down? So first thing is, is that equal opportunity still available in Malawi? Can a child from these uh, areas who, are, who is not able at all to be able to pay for their education, but they have the ability and the intelligence and the potential, can they get the same opportunities that we guys did? And if not, what has gone wrong? So uh, JKS, kick it off. What's your view? Is this still a possibility currently in Malawi? <clears throat> Uh, Alex, my take would be no, a resounding no, uh, because um, what we had was we had a system that was able to identify the kids that have the potential, whether they have the financial ability or not. And so they would go through the uh, normal government primary school and be able to get to have a chance to sit for uh, uh, primary school living certificate exams and all that. Now, what we have currently is that, yes, the primary school living certificate is there, the exams are there, right? Mm. But the government schools, they, are, they have really deteriorated. So the level of education, the standard of education has gone down. So mm. a kid who is in power, for instance, in Insanje, the first challenge is possibly they will not have the, uh, the facilities to go to school. Or, like the school is just a, a grass-touched room that already affects that kid ability or no ability the teachers mm -hmm. are not they're not there we don't have enough teachers if they are there then they are not doing their work properly as they used to they will not really mm -hmm. not have interest to, to to get a kid to go to school and do well now beyond that the schools that if the kid happens to be still very bright and has a chance to go to a government secondary school we still have a situation where government school has to be paid for. And if the parents cannot afford and no organization, like uh, people like the Lindas of this world, if they don't come up and help this kid, then this kid's future is doomed. Uh, unlike what we went through and what we had. So in a nutshell, my take is the, the landscape has changed. The standard of education from primary and, and, and secondary mainly has gone low, has gone down. We don't have the teachers and all that that needs the support system 
is currently not there. So the chances of a kid in, in Sanje, in Chitipa, who's, who has the ability but doesn't have the financial muscle, it's very, very difficult. Hmm. So, so in, in a way, we seem to have gone backwards then. Well, what's your take, uh, Peter, Mota? What's your view? Uh, thank you so much. I think I would agree with Joseph um, to say that, you know, there is no system of identifying you know, uh, students that are deserving, students that um, are geniuses, so to say. Um, due to this lack of uh, this system that would identify these uh, these students, then he would not have uh, these students, you know, going up the ladder as we uh, did uh, that time. Uh, I would also say that, you know, there is no equalization of opportunities. Uh, you remember in the past, uh, we were very happy to go to public schools. And those people, we used to look down upon people who went to private schools, saying that, no, they are not uh, uh, high schooling uh, students. They had to go to private schools. But now it's different. We look up to people who go to private schools and look down upon people who go to private, uh, public schools. So those people who have money, those people who have uh, the opportunity to go to private schools are the ones that are receiving better education and the, the ones that are, uh, will proceed uh, to have better education um, uh, when they move up the ladder. So I would say um, we have problems now. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's not like the, the same that we had last uh, in the past when we were uh, uh, students as, yeah. as before. So I, I guess because uh, I mean from a, from a from from a development point of view, yes. each, each each person, even from an individual point of view, like as a person, and then you move on as a family, as a community, as a district, and then as a state. Yeah. We all hope to be moving forward as time goes by. If you look at this KA, it's been now what, 30 or 20 years when this institution was established and the time of Kamozu. Uh, it seemed to have had the, this vision of education and all of that. But from what I'm hearing, we seem to have uh, gotten backwards in a way rather than move forward in terms of affording people who have the ability, the opportunities for, uh, to realize that potential in that way. However, I put it this way that uh, all these things we are talking about are uh, about having the right infrastructures, the, the, you know, how useful education is for people. I don't think the administrations that have been before were not aware of these kind of things. Uh, I'm sure if you go 20 years of public policies and things which talk about yeah, education here and here, but uh, nothing has materialized. So what could we put this down to? Is it a question of the leadership lacking vision to implement the same. What what has what has gone wrong for us in, in Malawi this generally? So, uh, KM, Mr. Nchiela, what what's your take on, on this issue? Um, I think my my view on that would be uh, it's uh, really about the leadership, um, you know, lacking the the vision. Uh, because I think what we have seen uh, in the past, you know, a few years, almost maybe two decades or so, I think there hasn't been, you know, serious uh, investment in uh, what we are talking about in the education sector. 
And uh, I think that's what um, uh, my colleagues are, are talking about there to, to say that if you look at the state of public schools now, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's simply pathetic. I think there's no other way to put, uh, to put it. So what you find is um, those who, who can afford would definitely rather you know, take their, uh, their children to, to private schools. So I think it's the uh, issue of um, maybe leadership lacking the, the vision as well as maybe lacking the uh, you know, sense of prioritizing to say which are the sectors uh, that we need to invest in uh, for you know, uh, you know, for for long-term economic um, improvement in the country. So that has really uh, you know damaged uh, our, our school systems, and uh, obviously that has you know implications on um, on the economic growth uh, potential of the country because we are we I mean what we end up with is um, uh, not the level of uh, you know education that we would want. Uh, mm -hmm. to take the country forward. So I think those, uh, in my view, would be the, uh, the issues to say maybe a uh, lack of vision as well as maybe lack uh, of prioritizing uh, to say which are the sectors that are really important for, for us as a country to, to move forward. And I think education uh, should actually be, you know, at, uh, uh, at the top of that, you know, priority list. Mm. Yeah, because I, I guess I remember in the old days, you probably have a, a child of a government minister might be going to the same public school as the exactly. guard or someone yeah. like that. But uh, now yeah. there's almost like a two or three tier system in the sense that the, the CEOs or whoever will have their kids. You guys are saying in, in private schools and, and not. So Brenda, what, what's your experience of what do you hear or see on the ground happening from uh, relatives or people you know? Um, I think everybody's pretty much touched on what the pinch points are or have been. I was just doing some quick sums in case you guys were wondering what I was doing. Uh, so Kamuzi Academy was launched in 1981. It took a few years to build to actually have students start attending the school. It was allowed to exist in its intended form for about 13, 14 years before it was systematically dismantled. Now, if you look at, uh, and this is just a very uh, generic view from the outside if you, and from people I know, if you look at the quality of education that people received in that 12 to 13 years and what that pipeline has produced in 2020, uh, if we look at Parliament, we've got alumni from uh, KA in Parliament. We've got alumni in in power. We've got alumni in the judicial system, in health, people that we went to school with in that time period. Now, systematically, that was all dismantled. So a pipeline was created to turn out doctors, nurses, educators, lawyers, engineers. And it obviously worked because from those 13 years, we can see the results. And then the system got dismantled. It was not a visual plan where it was, this is not for today, because what we're seeing today is almost 40 years later. So the system to be allowed to really produce the caliber of people that we want and need in this country to succeed, to be at the levels we need to get to, to come out of that bottom top 10 poverty list year in, year out. It needs to be a systematic it's not going to last one president's lifetime. It's not going to last one government's term. And 
re removing education systems and plans and visions from political alignment is what I believe needs to happen because as soon as the vision was removed, it became more about quantity, not quality. Mm. The pipeline was dismantled. So even if we take away KA out of its out of the bubble that it is, because that's a very elite level of education, you know, uh, not very many people in the world learned Greek or Latin <laughs> like like you like like you guys did and, and, and so on and so forth. So even if you take them out, if you yeah. look at the level of education people were getting in that time period before it became about quantity rather than quality. And then we had the private sector trying to fit in a gap, you know, fill a gap for the need for quality and therefore people who could afford send their kids. It, that, that that pipeline's been dismantled. That's why we don't have the good quality teachers in government schools. That's why we don't have the good quality nurses. We don't have the good quality police force. We don't have the good people's levels of education have gone down massively because of underinvestment, lack of vision. And from my perspective, I think it's time about we. It's about time as a country we demanded quality, more bang for our bucks. So more. We need to get more out of every quarter that we spend in education. Mm. We're going to send kids to school from ages five, six, all the way to 18. What are we doing in those 18 years? Because the result is we come out with people with degrees um, and they want to learn and it's not their fault that they're not afforded a good quality education. And we know it can be done because we, we, are, we, are, we are a product of that system. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's quite comprehensive. I think, JK, you had a comment on that. <clears throat> yeah, Alex, uh, colleagues, we, 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 what we're saying is the reality on the ground. And as Brenda is putting it, it's been mm -hmm. a system, right? So if you're putting up a system, the, the calculations she was making about how long it took KA to produce yeah. the results that we're seeing today, it's, mm -hmm. it's been a long-term plan. Okay, so what I see, Kambani mentioned it, leadership. Uh, now, it's not, I, I don't know when we say lack of vision. Lack of vision is where I guess we don't know where we should be going. But what I see is that our yeah. leaders know where we should be going. But then the problem is the political aspect of it. Look at the time we, we had Kamuz. Kamuz who had a perpetual term of office, mm -hmm. as it were. So what he was doing was he was systematic in what he wanted to achieve over the long haul. Now, what we get, our politicians now, is that I have a five-year term and I'll be going into an election. Mm -hmm. What do I do that within the four years, I should impress a lot more people and be able to get back into office for another term of office, mm -hmm. for another five years? So they're dismantling the long-term investments that we need in education, all right, in, in getting people to understand what they need to do, their civil rights and stuff. So they will dismantle all that and get something that would get everyone to quickly appreciate what they're doing. By mm. doing that, they also instilled something in the people that you always need, you always have to do something that will give you results immediately. That's how corruption came through. Because yeah. everyone was saying, why, why wait for the long haul? Why, why wait for 10 years to be able to get results? And then you see that even the people that are will really not, not as educated, what they will do is they'll do a business that should give them money tomorrow. They'll not go into farming like Kamban. They'll think, ah, oh, come on. For me to reap the results of this would take me 10, 15 years. So they'd rather get 
into a government office, get a, a contract uh, through corruption, and mm -hmm. supply commodities at exorbitant prices, and immediately you get the results. So by doing that, we created what Brenda was mentioned, a different pipeline, a pipeline that was full of politicians and people that didn't want to do what was right, they didn't want to wait that long, and by doing that, everything then crumbled. So we get to what you were asking, Alex. How did we get here? Uh, so yeah. we got here slowly but surely, people trying to get uh, political offices, and everything just crumbled. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Wow, thanks, JK. That's, um, yeah, so I mean, could this be like those unintended consequences of, uh, let's say, a multi-party democratic processes or something, you know, because in every system, I guess uh, you get uh, pros and, and cons, yeah? So now you, you have this short-sightedness of politicians. I've just got five years. I mean, if you're gonna have a, a long-term vision to build something that is beyond yourself as a leader, it's something that will take uh, 20 years, 30 years. You study it, it's gonna be finished by other people. But, uh, you know, where is the incentive for the leadership to do that? That's why it just comes into their uh, own, uh, you know, five-year term and get to do stuff for them or, or the people around them. So, um, but having said that, I'm sure there's examples of countries who have uh, uh, prospered and done well even with this system. So why are we failing? Or what can we do, if anything at all, to actually reverse that trend? I mean, assuming, let's say, uh, Peter or Kambani or, or JK or Brenda, you know, you had the mandate tomorrow, your president, what would you do to reverse this trend? What would be the strategy? If at all it's, it's possible to reverse. Who? <laughs> oh, Peter, take it away first. <laughs> Mr. Peter Moore, the president tomorrow, 100 days in office, what's the first task? bearing in mind what you know now and what we're discussing. What's the way to reverse this trend? I think you're on mute, Mr. Mota. Yeah, I, was, I think uh, to begin with, I would say um, that uh, okay, in the past, people could see, could feel the importance of education they would go to school uh, graduate and instantly maybe get a job or maybe get the capital to start business business but that is not what is happening now you go to school all the way to university you have a PhD, you have a master's degree two masters in fact but uh, you are not you're useless you're not employed you're not uh, doing any business you don't have capital to start set up uh, your own business so i think if I become president today, then I would make sure that you know my citizens uh, see the importance of education. Uh, you know, people should not just go to school for its own sake. They should see that you know, if when I go to school, this is going to what is going to happen to me. I'll have maybe a better life uh, in in the future. But if you can't see the benefit of education, then you would rather not go to school. Maybe go to South Africa and get money and come back. And what Joseph said, you know. Uh, fight your way through the system, uh, get contracts, and then uh, be somebody in society. Yeah. So when I go, when, when, when I become a president uh, tomorrow, what I'll do is to make sure that you know, people should feel 
that education is good and education is beneficial to them, to their lives and to their societies. Mm. When wow. this is done, mm. then people will be serious with education. So this what? is only one aspect. I think my, my friends will add on that, but I'll do make sure that happens. But then what, what, what about for those? Because I'm sure there will be people who would like to go to school and get the education, but they have no money to actually go. Yes. Yes. So how, how, how would you tackle that, that one? Because obviously from a government point of view, you need mm. the money to actually build that infrastructure and, 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 and get, it, get, it, get it going. So is it a question of the government saying they don't have the money to invest in that infrastructure over a long period of time? Because once you do... The, the money is there, and what my friends have already said, you know, the, the vision is what is lacking. Uh, so it's like people are not uh, looking ahead into the future to see they don't have a vision for education. So in short, I think he, they don't have that yeah. uh, vision. So th whatever they are doing now, uh, they will not uh, uh, they, they will not achieve anything because they don't have a vision in the first place. Hmm. So I, I guess uh, I think I think Brenda mentioned are the leaders these days not interested about legacy or leaving any legacy. I mean now if you talk about Camus, you've got Camus Academy, you've got a um, I, I think they reinstated the names like Camus Stadium or the airport, um, the universities and all those. But uh, look back at uh, the leaders who've been and gone. Is there anything that you can point out to them as a legacy that they've left? Company? What, what's the view? <laughs> I think uh, I may not be in a position to actually to point to say, okay, this uh, president, this but is what they have done. Uh, we may get, we get political. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but I think just to, uh, to to comment on the general um, situation that we are discussing about the uh, education, I think Peter has, has mentioned um, that we we just need need that focus and uh, uh, you know agreement in general to say that we we can't develop this country without uh, you know uh, an educated base in our an educated uh, population. So I think that's where that would be the, yeah. the starting point uh, to say that will help. I think the government to to focus their uh, their efforts. And in terms of, I mean, when we're talking about investment uh, in the education sector, uh, and as you rightly mentioned, that obviously the investment we're talking about money. Um, so the point is that I think the money is you know available. I think we have seen in the past few months. I think we're even talking about the way just the the past election has been handled. Uh, people are wondering to say, okay, how are we going to, you know, uh, to finance or to find the the election on our own? But we we saw the you know the funds coming out, so it's, it goes back to to the issue of uh, prioritizing and ensuring that we are uh, plugging all the you know the loopholes that are there that gives you know the politicians uh, room to to siphon funds out of the system. And I think in the past few weeks we have noted. You know, we have heard of so so many stories uh, about uh, corruption and uh, uh, you know the uh, the quantum or the value of the uh, losses that we are talking about is is, is hugely significant. 
And I think some you know people have done calculations to say, for example, if you know this amount of money was lost through you know just pilferage from government coffers, you know mm. this amount could have actually built so many uh, schools. Mm. So I think in terms in terms of the uh, the money, I think we uh, that question really is uh, well answered to say we we do have uh, the funds that uh, can improve significantly improve our. Uh, you know our education system, and it's not only education. So we're talking about the, even in the infrastructure, the you know the health systems. Um, yeah. So we we just need you know that mindset change really, or uh, from the leadership. And uh, we hope that I mean we're hearing you know from from the new government that they are you know going to to be serious about these things. But we we'll wait. I mean, we'll give it time to see that whether they the rhetoric actually translates to, to real action on the ground because we have heard these stories before. We have you know, new governments coming. They, they always you know talk about what they, they are going to do. But the challenge, I think, sometimes is when uh, they now go into the system. Yeah. I mean, so it's almost like a baptism. They're baptized into the system that already exists. Then the same, you know, the cycle continues. And then we start complaining. And as, as Joseph also mentioned, uh, I think the, the other challenge is, you know, the, um, you know, this, the system, the democratic system that we have, it's very short term. Uh, you find they've got, they've got two, three years to work. Uh, by the time they're getting to the fourth year, they're already thinking about the next election. Yeah. So it's, it gives us very little time to focus on, uh, you know, on development uh, issues. So mm. it, it may also help, I think, maybe to, uh, as Brenda mentioned, I think she talked about the political interference and, and, and so on and so forth, that maybe we could build uh, stronger institutions which uh, should actually you know, have a vision beyond you know, the political five-year five uh, you know, five, five term uh, that uh, the political uh, leaders will have. So I think if we, can, if we could have those you know, stronger institutions which uh, you know, separated from political interference, so yeah. that they actually focus on the economic development uh, of, of the country. They are looking at longer term, maybe 10, 15, 20 years, uh, mm -hmm. you know, projects that will actually benefit the country. Then maybe that would be, uh, that would be the best legacy, in fact, that the, the current leaders can leave behind to say, we've put in, you know, this system that yeah. looks at, at the long term. It's not really looking at them finishing their term and then all the credit going to them. But it's something that we, uh, you know, as a country, we can collectively, uh, you know, stand up and say we have done this for for the country. So I think the the long term view is what what would really help uh, for us to move from where we are to to the next level. Mm. Thank you. That, that that that's a very very good good point actually because like like we keep saying, none of the stuff we're talking about here is new. Uh, the leaders, you know, they are educated enough to know it, what they need to be doing and, and all sorts, but uh, nothing is happening. So like you said, there's almost a need for some organization somewhere, maybe, you know, not even have any political influence, whatever, to sit above uh, everything so that you can actually coordinate with government and the private sector, especially. But the private sector has got a big part to play as well. If they want to pump money or whatever to help, it's very tricky for them if they are giving it to government or whatever, they look like they're being political or something. But if you can have a, a body that, that sits like a fund 
which its main objective is the long-term objective in infrastructure of the country. So that, they are, you know, if they are doing projects, there are projects which are going to take 20 years or 30 years to do. So governments will come in and out or whatever, but this fund, its objective is clear. I think countries like, uh, I think Singapore, Malaysia, or even some of the Middle Eastern countries, uh, they, they have... Uh, those sort of funds which sit independent of government. And I think in the absence of that, you get this cycle of uh, the politicians, you know, there's all this expectation, I oh, will do this, we'll deliver that, we'll deliver that. And people get all hyped up and excited and oh yeah, yeah. and then they come into power, as Kamani said, they get baptized into the system. And then two or three years goes, nothing has happened, and then somebody else comes up, oh, I'm going to do this, I'll do that. People get too excited, okay, they come in, and then they have their two, three years, nothing happens. Somebody else comes in the same. So you end up in this perpetual cycle of uh, promises not happening, promises not happening. And the end result is, like JK said, the system which was built is, is destroyed and nothing is in its place, everything is short term. So uh, Brenda, you had there something to add to that? <laughs> yeah, um, I always have a problem with, um, it needs to start with the leaders. That, that always sits really uncomfortably with me. Um, I've just made a, a quick note. Uh, I've written prioritizing accountability mm. than planning. Malawi is not short of mm -hmm. brains, I can promise you. Malawi is not short of people that understand what a transformation education mm -hmm. can give you. So I think the people that give up and see no value in education are very few and far in between. Mo most people understand that if they work hard at school, if they get opportunity to go to university. Malawi has so many people applying for scholarships. He, he, probably in any country in the world, you'll find a Malawian student on a scholarship. Mm. I don't think that's where the, 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 the problem is. I think the problem comes in the fact that somebody uh, mentioned spoke quite well about that uh, in, in, in the sense that our civil service. So terms are five years. America has five years. The UK has five years, but our, we change every so often. Um, you know, loads and loads of systems around the world don't have 30 years for somebody to see or one party to see that through. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I don't expect my children here in the UK to start on one curriculum in a government school and never to finish school and never to be able to plan until the end of their educational or primary, secondary and tertiary education at the very least. Mm. Uh, the frustrating things in Malawi is that because the systems have been dismantled at every level, every level, corruption has been allowed to seep in at every level. So, yeah, the leaders are doing it and doing it massive. They, they, I mean, like somebody's legacy was Cashgate. Imagine being known around the world as the leader who, who presided over Cashgate. Mm. So, so when I say presidents don't care about their legacy, I think they just think, as long as I'm okay, my friends are okay, my family's okay, what do I care about what people think about me? What do I care about how I leave the system? But that being said, people at the top are enabled at every level that we do not seem to have a pride in what we have, natural resources, the brains that we have. Um, you know, Malawians are very well spoken. We're a very peaceful country. We've never been at war. 
and yet we struggle with countries that are in perpetual civil wars. And this is not, for me, from what I can see, it's not a case that our, our terms are too short. I think that we have systematically, to the benefit of those in power, to the benefit of a very few people, allowed the systems to be in such disarray, in such chaos, that people don't know where they're coming or going. So if if Peter comes in as president, great. He's going to say, I'm going, I need you guys to do X, I need you guys to do... But if every civil service, we have got a civil service, you know, we've got a civil service that's supposed to run with the administ supposed to deal with the administration side of the country and say, right, we are going to have X amount of money to spend. This is education. This is how money gets from A to B. This is how we make sure that teachers are trained to a certain level. This is how we make sure that our nurses are at the right level. And, you know, that if we've said that this is a minimum payment, minimum wage, this is what happens for people to get that minimum wage. We have all of those things in place, but nobody cares. And I don't blame them. Why should they? <laughs> you know, it's going to take a big, massive leap of faith people to say it's going to start with me i'm going to turn up to work on time i'm not going to take that that 1000 question that wasn't meant for me i'm not going to pocket it because oh well somebody else is going to do it if i don't do it and i think that since 93 94 95 that's been the psyche of the country and everything's falling apart around us but we're not holding anybody to account we just want to hold the few at the top that have you know, corrupted the whole system and they've gained the most from the system. But if I was to ask you guys, what have you done mm -hmm. to support the system? What have you done as a, as, as Peter, as Gambani, as Joseph, as Alex, to, to ensure that the system's on the straight and narrow? Mm -hmm. I want to leave one, 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 one note. When we were young, we were called born frees, right? Everybody remember, my born free, my born free, my born free. And we were told and we were promised we were going to rule Malawi tomorrow. We're still being ruled by people that were born Tawia Tamunda. <laughs> well, Rodrigo Rodrig is taking over next uh, election, so we are good. <clears throat> JK. Why are you laughing? <laughs> uh, yeah. Alex, Brenda, Brenda has really. Uh, Pricked on the Malawian side. <laughs> I, I like that pricking. I like that pricking. Two things I, I wanted to to, to to talk on. One, what Kambani said, the need for a mindset change. Now, that mindset change is possibly Brenda tackling one side of that, which is the citizens, right? Kambani, I think, tackled it from the leadership point of view, right? That the leaders need to change their mind. What, what, what Brenda was saying, legacies. It's not like we have a, a, short, a short terms of office. No, the terms are all right. But they have decided to use that, as you were saying, Alex, that maybe the, the unforeseen consequences of democracy, as it were. The, the leaders have used this to their advantage, right? So we need to change mindset from the leaders, looking at they should start talking about legacy. They should start thinking about a legacy they want mm -hmm. to leave. And but then... On the other hand, we need a mindset change on the citizens. I think we have not held our leaders accountable on things. Because look, I'll talk to you, I'll tell you what, there is a blueprint in, in government, I think, that talks about the 20, 20 year vision of the country. It's there, there are people there, there are big brains around there. I know one, Dr. Montali, I think he's, he's, he's heading that department. It's a department mm -hmm. that 
it has been meant to look at the long-term vision of the country, that whether governments come and go, they should still follow that. But you see that not much would be said about that. Okay, we, as Gamani said, the new leadership is sort of talking about it and saying, okay, we'll go to, towards that. But if we all sit back and say, okay, they're talking about it and they keep quiet, after a year, nothing is happening, that's what the citizens do. We all sit back. And I, that's why I'm saying it, it has to be mindset change. Mindset change on the part of the leaders and mindset change on the part of the citizens so that then we start holding each other accountable, both our leaders and what Brenda's saying, our colleagues. One, one, I think during the campaigns, one of the candidates will say, you'd see someone who today is working on, on bare feet uh, with a diploma in, in, in his hand. In, in six months, this guy is driving the latest Range Rover and no one questions. Mm. All of us go to him and say, ah, you're the big guy, eh? big guy, big guy. What nonsense is this? You can't be calling him big guy. You should be asking him, where have you got the money? So you'd find that because we are not holding each other accountable. We are not holding our leaders accountable. When leaders give us a manifesto, we all forget after we vote. We all forget. We leave them. Then they'll come back with a different tone, and there was this challenge, there was that challenge. So mindset change would encompass all those things. Kambani talked about the resources. We have the resources as a country. I mean, look at the money that is stored across government systems. It's a lot of money. If this money was properly invested, I'm sure we should be talking a different story now. At least the basics would have been right, would have been talking of the next level. So I believe that we we need to start looking at these things now with that with that intensity that it is our country, it is our responsibility, and we're going to start holding each other accountable. Hmm. Cool. Th- thanks, JK. Now, I, I, I put it maybe this way that, um, you know, when, when, when someone or people are looking to effect a certain element of change, yeah, um, there is a, such thing as a, what is the support or how many other people are willing to, to, to fight with you in the sense that uh, something get, gets started. I'm thinking if you look at uh, Martin Luther King, like all those years ago, the message that he was uh, talking about civil rights and other things, there's probably some bits of uh, what he was fighting for which have uh, happened or, or have taken place. But where people get discouraged, like we were talking earlier about uh, this COVID, yeah? You have uh, millions of people, yeah, uh, uh, coming, let's say, from, uh, you know, a football thing or whatever. They don't believe about all this COVID thing or even if they believe they're not taking it seriously. There are a few, maybe three or four, who take it really seriously. They want to effect the change. They want to do something. But the gradient is so steep, yeah, that uh, it's going to take them a million years to achieve what is required to be achieved. Isn't that the point where people get disguised and say, yeah, I'm just me. Okay, we are saying it starts with us as individuals. You know, how many of us, uh, let's say there's a few of uh, KF, people or some other people out there. But when they start to go with the system, they either a lot of people, the mentality uh, is, is, is different that it gets there. For me, I see it like for those who have the vision, start feeding it either through the education system to the, to the youngsters so that they are the ones who eventually will have a different mentality and a message that will lift everyone. 
But for us, you know, for me, let's say, you know, I, I, I know and I understand I need to do something. We have to effect change. As soon as I start speaking, I go here and there, you know, people will just probably come and sit me down. Hey, Sabala, this is how things work here. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know? And uh, before you know it, you know, you can't do the things that uh, you, you, you want to do. You believe in it, you know it, you understand it, you, you know that's how things should be. But you know the the system just collapses somewhere. So I think it's almost a generational thing. It has to be fed maybe through the youngsters somehow. But otherwise, the messages we keep talking about, we keep understanding. Like J.K. you're saying, there's educated people there who have PhDs or whatever. They understand all these things. The mentality, the mindset, everything is there. But as soon as you start to go there and and, and change it, it's like uh, an entirely different ball game yeah so what is it that can really be done uh well, well and i guess what's the role of collaboration maybe someone taking this by the horns and saying okay i'm gonna do something but i'm gonna collaborate and take people that you need with you people who are singing the right messages the right songs they say they can do this they can affect the change hold them to accountable but really grasp that leadership i think that's probably something that 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 we need from from someone yeah almost someone who is uh, willing to sacrifice some either time or whatever of themselves for the national good those are the people who become like national figures or national heroes but as long as we start thinking oh just for me and i'm comfortable and okay with my thing everyone else then everything goes out of out of the window yeah so Mr. Mota, now I, um, I wanted to talk now about um, entrepreneurship. So we're talking about obviously education and the role and uh, probably this feeds into the corporate sector where people become CEOs and, and uh, uh, you know, senior figures in, in companies or corporations. What is the role of uh, uh, entrepreneurship and business, for example? Should, should people be taught or or go into other ventures, not so much the education to be either a lecturer or a CEO or something, but education may be of a vocational nature for people to be electricians or plumbers or, or IT specialists or all these other vocations rather than, um, uh, you know, to, to follow the corporate ladder. What, what is, uh, what's, what's the view in Malawi around that in terms of, uh, is, is, is the environment conducive to that? Are people aware of, of that? And do they get to, to, to practice that? At this stage, we welcome Susan as well. Susan is joining us. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hey, how are you? Fine, and you? Good, good, good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. We're just uh, carrying on with our roundtable general discussions. So, um, yeah, welcome, welcome to the discussions. Uh, we'll, co we'll come um, uh, to you in a sec, but I was just uh, posing a question. I don't know whether uh, JK heard me as well. And this was uh, around, um, like, all the stuff we've been talking about, about education and uh, uh, people getting through the, the system. Is almost leading people into the corporate ladder where they get to get good jobs or work in particular sectors and fields. Yeah, 
But what is the role of, uh, because business and entrepreneurship is also quite a, a sizable and significant component of uh, the economy. What is the environment now in terms of its conduciveness to allow people to develop that entrepreneurial side of themselves to go into either uh, other vocations of maybe businesses like, you know, it could be plumbers or electricians or transporters or all that kind of thing. What, what, what's, what's the view around that? Let's start off with um, Kambani. What's, what's the view? Okay, so I think in terms of the environment, mm. Uh, we, I think the starting point would still be on the uh, on the education side. I think uh, our education system at the moment is still structured in a way uh, that it uh, it prepares us for you know to go into jobs, you know, to work if to working for uh, you know for a corporate, working for you know uh, for an already existing business. So I think that that would be the starting point where maybe we may. As a country, we need to um, to look at how our education is, is structured, uh, whether it um, incorporates that element of uh, uh, training or preparing uh, our learners, you know, towards entrepreneurship as also an avenue, rather than just thinking to say, once I finish my school, I would go to look for a job, you know, to apply for a job somewhere. So I think maybe that would be the, the starting point. But um, uh, on the other side, in terms of the, the vocations, I know that I think in the past few years, uh, even the previous government, uh, they talked about um, you know, increasing focus on, on technical, technical schools. Uh, so we did uh, you know, uh, get a view to say that there were uh, you know, a number of uh, technical schools that were, uh, that were running, but I think also they I help them to uh, to improve in terms of capacity for them to be able to to deliver uh, the type of uh, training for you know uh, like you mentioned talking uh, about people uh, training uh, to become plumbers or electricians or whatever. So most of you know of the people in that group would obviously go into um, uh, you know starting their own businesses, uh, and for for the ones that manage uh, the business as well, though. Uh, go maybe in, even further uh, employing other, uh, you know, other people to help them in the business. So that that helps uh, in terms of uh, you know improving the employment numbers. Um, but I think uh, on the government side, uh, there's still you, you hear quite a lot maybe about issues of you know most of these people you know operating those businesses, but in in the informal sector, uh, there's um, you know a tendency to uh, maybe avoid registration uh, for purposes of you know they when they hear about taxation they are not you know really happy to say okay I'm only, I'm only starting my business but already MRA is bouncing uh, on the business mm -hmm. so I think that is an area where maybe uh, it needs to uh, to be looked at to say is is the environment really conducive uh, yeah. to help for those that are just starting up mm -hmm. to help them to say maybe in the formative years at least the first year two years three years. Mm -hmm. At least they get maybe some sort of exemptions from tax, or whatever, just to help them build the business, uh, and then also to formalize the businesses by by uh, registering them. So I think those would be the areas where I think that um, 
in terms of entrepreneurship, that's where maybe we may need to uh, to look at. But also, uh, apart from you know just the uh, the normal training that they would get, for example, for an electrician, I think there is need to go to go further to say, do how do we make sure that they have the business skills, uh, you know, the financial management skills for them to be able to uh, ensure that they are, the businesses that they start are actually sustainable. Because yeah. I think what normally happen is you, you hear somebody maybe starting a small business, but there are cases where within a few years uh, that business is uh, is no longer there. Uh, the, usually there's a case of uh, maybe they had they didn't they had the good idea, but they may not have had the the right um, business management skills. So uh, those would be the areas where they can you know further be trained to ensure that we can or they can. Uh, start sustainable businesses that would, uh, you know, that can even out, outlive the founders so that, they, you know, you have businesses that will continue for, for a long time. Yeah. So I think those, those would be my, my comments uh, in that area. Cool. Oh, very, very useful uh, feed, feedback yeah. there. So, Susan, um, if you can just give us a, a quick 30 seconds about yourself, actually, if you have uh, uh, Given us that, <laughs> just uh, yeah, your Hi. yeah, yeah, your your name, uh, experience, and uh, uh, work, and all that, yeah. Susan Kotoka, that's my maiden name now. Susan Masiku. I have the first degree I did was in Bachelor of Arts, and from there I've run for over 25 years and I've had the opportunity to do my law degree and I've just been recently admitted to the bar. So my basic concept is in business and it's in education, which is what I've done for such a long time and administration as well. So most of the policies I with education and children welfare. Yeah. That I think yeah. is the basic one. Cool. Thanks, Susan. So we've just we've just talked about how the system has almost collapsed in the sense that if you look at uh, um, those of us who went to KA in those good years of uh, Kamozu, we had the ability and the potential to do well, but uh, uh, the fact that we were able or we we're not able to um, afford an education was not a limiting factor. We still had a chance to be able to prove ourselves and get an education without the need to pay for. And we talked about how that system has almost collapsed now in the sense that there's almost a three-tier system now whereby education is afforded to the, the privileged few, either CEOs or whoever who can afford to send their, their children to those kind of uh, expensive institutions or private schools where they are, they are able to pay. And then uh, uh, understanding why that has been the case in terms of the, the leadership and the short-term uh, view that they have now in terms of uh, uh, not having that long-term vision to build the infrastructure that will last for generations and generations and bring out a pipeline of people. Like Brenda mentioned that if you look at uh, KA, the people who have come uh, through KA, a lot of the benefits that are coming out now, like people 
like yourselves in the legal profession, if you look at the Chifundos, if you look at uh, CK in Parliament and uh, a few other areas, yeah, that that is a pipeline that has taken years to come through, yeah, uh, and uh, something that uh, uh, will, will benefit the country. Sometimes it needs that long-term view to an extent that as a leader you start it off, yeah. You're not going to finish it. Maybe some other people who come before you will finish it, but are not in your lifetime. But now, because of the short-term nature of leadership, like you have five years to rule, you know, you're just looking at what can I do to benefit from that. So maybe give us your take around that view in the sense of how do you see the system the way it is now? What has failed us? to break down this system that there's no investment in infrastructure for the long term, and also maybe the leadership failing us in some way, if you uh, see it that way, to actually lead us in building those so that we're actually progressing rather than moving backwards in helping Malawians. What's your take? Okay, hi. Um, I'll just answer on one side Mm. of, uh, I think, education. For mm. someone who has taught for over 20 years, mm-hmm. I can see the way the system is, the way it's, it is actually failing, okay? It is because things like ministries, we have politicized them. We need people who need to work within the system. Yes, we can have the minister as a political appointment, but if we take the basic department and and not let it do what it's actually supposed to do, for the 20 years, we've changed the system in books probably four or five times, okay? Mm. For me personally, it didn't take government was the system was very good ka was very good but because everybody wanted to come up with a new system the old system worked my my take is we need to go back to the old system and understand how it worked believe you me children are getting to standard 4 without being able to read now, if our fund- foundation is completely out, even if we change the system, you are getting to secondary school where children are failing to understand everything else. So if you take that to tertiary, it means as much as we want them to be entrepreneurs, we are giving them a very weak base. We need to go back to our basic foundation, which is from prim- primary school to where we are now. Okay, I still believe that Timve and Tala book is the best. And when I'm teaching my children, I take that basic one because as much as we want to instill entrepreneurs, but as, as Kambani said, we are focused on, I'm going to finish school and mm. I want to get a job, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But we, our foundation is the one that's breaking down. So people mm. need to sit down and understand that, I mean, this year or next year, they're talking of scrapping the books that they introduced three years ago, which we voiced out and said, 
they are not going to teach the children how to read. Children mm -hmm. are failing to read. So the crumbling is going all the way to the base. So we are destroying our system from the base. We, we can't fix the top if we don't have a good foundation. That's what I need. And the other point I want to say, businesses, not only entrepreneurs, we are struggling in businesses that have been there for over 25 years that mm. grew at one point in time. But why are they failing now? We need mm. to understand that. Yeah. Uh, our, some of our tax laws are making it difficult because business doesn't work 100% all the time. It, mm. goes, it's a, it goes up, it goes down. It, how do we deal with when the economy is down? Are we helping those businesses to build up? Because it doesn't make sense for a business that's been there for over 30 years to fail now. Yes, businesses go through whatnot, but what is our whole system as a whole doing? Are we giving ourselves unrealistic goals, unrealistic tax expectations? We need to look at what has happened. We, look at, we need to look at it like, like climate, okay? What was there 30 years ago? What was there 20 years ago? What is going on wrong? And that is the root of what we need to do. We need things to work the way they're supposed to work, not to just work on paper, because most of the things are working theoretically. They're working on paper. They're not working practically. I think that's what I can give in so far. Mm. No, that, that's, a, that's a very, very good uh, um, uh, take on that, uh, Susan, actually, especially at that point you're, you're making about uh, the, the theory is well understood and people are sort of understanding the theory of what we should do and all of that. They are probably writing PhDs or master's papers and all whatever. Like we said, if you go back 20 years, you'll find all this stuff we're talking about is there. But the implementation and, you know, what are people actually doing about it and are they moving against the gradient to actually get us to where we need, we need to be? Maybe... That, that that leadership where it's actually sitting, you know, if it's sitting on a on a political scene, maybe that is the, the, the problem. Maybe it's it, it should sit somewhere else outside of politics so that it, it can have a, a mandate that is beyond five-year term or ten-year term or, or so much so that it, it it actually be doing and building things for the country for the long term rather than for the short term. Winnie, uh, welcome Winnie. So, Hi everyone. <laughs> I think you've you've been listening in all the various uh, discussions and conversations that's been going on. So first, give us your thirty seconds, and then uh, take us through your thoughts. Okay. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Rumi Mafera. Most of you know me as Rumi Kalimba. <laughs> the times have since changed. I am a qualified accountant and I'm currently working in the business. So um, if you need some tips, you know who to go to. <laughs> but yeah, I just really interested to, to contribute. Unfortunately, I couldn't really prepare for as much as I wanted to, so I'm listening in the background. Um, but basically, I just wanted to make a quick comment, maybe two quick comments. And I know the conversation has been centered around Malawi, the privileged child versus the less privileged child. 
But I just wanted to expand it a little bit and say that we are now living in a global environment. So generally just looking at whether privileged or not privileged, but are we getting the right education and are we getting the right skills to be able to compete on a global environment? And um, to be able to answer that question, I asked myself whether I would take my child to a Malawi school or would rather take them somewhere else for their education. And when I look at the future for my child, do I see that future in Malawi or do I see it outside? It's a conversation that I've had with my husband on several occasions and we've always sort of defaulted to saying the child needs to go somewhere else, whether it's in Africa or the UK or America. And I think that's the mentality of most parents now, which shouldn't be the case. Because I think that a couple of you mentioned that Malawi is that capability, but what is it that is making us not want to invest in here? So again, I would say, for example, the Alex is the best world. What is it that, what, what makes you not settle in Malawi? and choose somewhere else. And these are important questions because at the end of the day, we have to say that we want the best for our children. So for me, I think leadership is very important. I know, Brenda, you talked about us also being responsible. But the accountants in here we also agree that we talk about a tone at the top when you talk about changing culture and changing mindsets. Our leaders are supposed to be exactly that. They're supposed to be leading by example. So yes, we all have all these important responsibilities in our various institutions, but, and we've got the qualified people, like in the ministry, we've got lots and lots and lots of people who are capable, and we've got lots and lots of policies, but where we fall short is the implementation. And why do we fall short on implementation? It's because the leaders don't buy into the vision that everyone else has. So it's very important, I think, for the leaders to really push the agenda that benefits the, the nation. So yes, we went from a dictatorship, then we went to a democracy that wasn't really a democracy, and then we ended up in a kleptocracy. So those who did Greek will know what kleptocracy is. But yeah. I think that's where we we're wrong because we don't love our country. If we have leaders who don't love the country, if we have leaders who put their interests before everyone else, then we've got a problem. So how do you build You build them in the homes. We can't really change the people that are there now, but we can change the people who are within our control. So yes, we worry about the Jaguars, the Swallows, the the Peter, the Caribbean. But I think where we need to start is also in our homes. So what are we teaching our children on a day-to-day basis? We're talking about entrepreneurship. Are we teaching them that? Or are we just going to follow the coming back and not exposing them to anything else? You'll see, like, for the example, the Indians, even in our time, Straight from school, while we are going to play fly and drown us and everything else, where the Indian kids, they're sitting in the shop with their father and they're getting those skills. So I'll challenge you, like somebody, take your kids to the farm, let them learn those skills. Some because the kids learn by 
looking and observing what we do rather than just telling them to study, study, study and get your degree. The the biggest thing that I found in my life is that we've raised kids that just want to get over, get a degree. We're just we are getting them through a system rather than really teaching them the skills that they need to survive. So I'm lucky that, for example, I can take my child to a private school. But the things that they learn, they are mind-blowing. When I compare the things that my child knows to, for example, from poor students in the government system, it's just it's amazing the things that I'm doing. So for me, it's just to say leadership is important, but leadership is important also at every level. Yeah. So it's important in the home, it's important in our institution, and we need to lead by example, because that's the only way that we're going to learn. At the moment, the moral fabric of Malawi is completely rotten. We need to get it back. We need to change the culture, and that's not going to happen in five or ten years. It's going to take a much, much longer time. So instead of focusing on who is there now, let's focus on building the leaders who can then take this forward in the future. Mm. Wow, that's a very comprehensive win. Very, very, very good. I think um, JK wanted to, to add on that before we move much on. JK? Mm. I think you're on mute. <laughs> can I, can, am, I, am I clear now? Yes, yeah, yeah. All good. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that 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 was that was awesome, Winfred. It, it covered a lot of stuff. But um, I, I wanted to come in from from what company had earlier said, the business environment. Uh, have we created an environment where uh, businesses in the country can strive? So first, yes, the political uh, the, the new government has come in. It's giving people hope. I think I mean it happens all the time when you have a new government. The hope is there. Uh, I think they're trying to work on the political, uh, on the, the business environment, so that they can. They, they're trying to talk about government, private sector partnership, and all that. But as Kambanelia said, that works for the big businesses that are already established. But now, someone who just wants to start his own small business, uh, I think we need to do a lot. There has to be the legal frameworks to support that. Uh, indigenous people should be supported. There has to be incentives for them a deliberate policy to support them. Uh, and company talked about the vocational training. What I wanted to say about the vocational training, uh, in my trade union work, I was privileged at one point to go with uh, the Tivator team and government team to Germany to learn how their Tivator system works. Right now, I, I briefly in Germany, how it goes is like they have a, a, a power Mm. I think we we seem to have some what? network challenges there. So you have the academic uh, line of of going to school, right? So you do your up to standard six, and then you get to standard eight. Um, JK, I think you're you're break, breaking up a bit. Can you can you still hear us? Okay. Um, try try uh, uh, coming 
off and on again. Sometimes that that, that, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the Alex you. Hi JK, can you hear us? Stream from Net network challenges. But anyway, let's uh, just uh, picking up from uh, um, Winnie again and uh, that uh, brilliant summary about, about the topic. Um, I put it uh, um, another way that it's almost like uh, we need uh, you know, someone to call people's bluff in a way. Because like we said, if you go to government, you almost speak to every minister or people who are top, top, top up there. They know the, these things. But if someone could come with a, a proposal, for example, to say, you know, I would like to make this change, or I would like to do this development, I would like to do this business, and I need A, B, C, D, E. You guys say that uh, you want uh, uh, you know, to help people uh, do sustainable development or do whatever that is, that, that is required to move the country forward. Help me do A, B, C, D, E, and whatever it is that you need to get things done. And then call people's bluff and see how you are going to be able to do that. What blocks are you going to face? Are you going to uh, come up against the, the system in the way that uh, everything is, you know, there's um, corruption or things that you can't do or the laws are things are not conducive to uh, people the way that they want, they want to do certain things. So maybe that is uh, uh, one, one of uh, the challenges, I guess, to look at. Now, looking at uh, probably, um, uh, I think Sue, you touched upon this as well, the environment and maybe Peter as well, if he can, if he can come in. From a point of um, like the legal framework, especially on the entrepreneurial side around uh, maybe laws uh, uh, around, you know, staff employment or, or labor laws and uh, around that. What are the, the, the challenging things that you see which are sort of blocks for people to pursue either entrepreneurial uh, things that they would like to do from a legal point of view, either whether it's uh, competition or anything? What what are the what are the key areas that you see as, as challenges currently in the country? Anything at all, getting something registered is it, it's a bit too technical. Like for example, you have a, a farm, you want Okay, just for you to get the TP number, you just to get everything sorted out, you need someone, an accountant who knows how to do that. Hmm. Um, a young person who has no clue, it doesn't guide you to make it a bit easier. Hmm. I would think. You know how game comes in the country? They're given, I think, a year of... Mm -hmm. If we did that to encourage entrepreneurs, okay, give them a tax window mm -hmm. to... And... 
you know, to start the business. That might possibly help us, okay? Mm. Like our loans is absolute, okay? It doesn't encourage people to be homeowners. It doesn't encourage you to get a loan. So I think we've, uh, we've lost Susan for a bit. We'll see if we can uh, um, get her back. I think she because did. once you take that loan, you start servicing it. You are the law has placed. Okay, they don't look at the amount of money you've serviced it. You don't service it. There is no system in place. You lose out, you lose out whatever you pay. Then anything else comes there, it's, it's up to either the bank or whoever loaned the money, okay? Mm. Other countries have different rules that make sure that their economy shouldn't fail, all right? In that mm. specific case, they have removed what is called the power of sale to the banks. It is setting up there. Kenya allows you have to go through eight different systems before you can be allowed by law to sell that property. Why are they doing that? It's because they want their economy to grow. They want whoever is loaning to have found to have absolutely failed to recover their money, either put it under administration, either reorganize or find another system, either extend the loan period. So mm. the person, why are they doing this? It's because they've sat down and look at what we need to boost up our economy. We need entrepreneurs. We mm. need cooperatives. We need people to become employers. The employer base to increase. That, so our rules our laws need a lot to look into it okay they mm. normally favor one side sometimes some of them work but sometimes they are not they are not working so we need to revisit all these things what in the end do we want to achieve as a an, as an economy mm. do we want whereby people have the capacity because people do have the capacity but mm. it doesn't make sense for people to try yes everybody fails in business but we need to encourage more entrepreneurs that mm. way our economy has to be boosted because it has we know it has that capacity to boost and that's what we need we need our laws to look through other countries, as I'm saying that, look through and try and not let them be as rigid as they are. But I'll do kudos. Most of the rules now, like the judiciary, is doing quite a good job with mm. most of the, there are a few that need, but most of them, I think, are getting there. We are trying our best. So we need to keep on to that path and go through the different things to make sure that entrepreneurs have 
the the rules should protect them the way they're protecting investors we should have that same mindset when we are looking at entrepreneurs that are malawians and that are young and not yeah. people that are ladies mm. we even have in other countries we have children who are entrepreneurs mm. so i think we need to look through all that as well mm. yeah yeah, that's a, that's a very very helpful uh, season yeah to to understand that because uh, you know um as uh, entrepreneurs they they play quite a critical role in driving the economy you know, if you look at across areas of employing people paying taxes and all of that so if you can put in measures like you are saying from a legal point of view or even uh, finance and uh, lending and all that kind of thing to make it more conducive for people to actually want to go into that field you know that would be quite uh, you know uh, helpful to actually drive up the numbers of people wanting to do that because uh, from uh, uh, even uh, uh, an individual ability point of view some people are born you know with their academic abilities so that they can actually go to school do well do research or academic stuff but other people are just as gifted even more so on the entrepreneur side they can do business they can employ people they can do stuff and uh, all these uh, um sides need to to merge and be uh, come together i think we wanted to add something on the legal side so uh go ahead winnie do you have uh, something to add on that yeah i think you're on mute okay sorry um, I was saying that one of the other critical things that we need to work on is our immigration laws. Because I do find that there's a lot of opportunities for entrepreneurship, but this will be taken up by foreigners. And you also find that there's a lot of prime land and assets that would be beneficial to the local Malawian, but are being taken up by foreigners because our immigration laws are so weak. So we are not protecting our own. We need to really look at our laws and to encourage and support our own people to be successful. Simple things like even CEPs, you'll find that there's foreigners coming into the countries, even into formal employment. When you've got Malawians in the country, who can do just the same quality, if not better work, but you still have people coming in. You have people in the agricultural sector who have no qualification at all. They're coming in and they're taking up all these big positions. So how, how can we progress like that? And I think that's really something very important that needs to be looked into because now we're basically selling our country. Mm. Yeah, that's that, that's a good point. But is 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 that happening in a way that they are taking over, and we as as Malawians are, are not able or losing out as a result, or we are not pushing ourselves to actually take those opportunities as a result they are being taken by other people. So in a way, we are not taking the initiative. Is it a bit of a both or if, if we go ahead and take those they are not available because they've gone elsewhere or we are not doing what we need to do because if we did we take the initiative we would still be able to get those opportunities so, um, what's the so alex for me i think it's 
it's really more financial than anything else. Uh, I think somebody already touched on the issue of yes, we talk about entrepreneurship, but where do people get that capital from? So now we are competing with people coming in with more money than us. Mm. And again, the issue of corruption comes in. They can bribe officials and they can get away with, for example, buying this big farm and buying prime property in town. Mm. Whereas your Malawian business capable, but is not being supported by the government to be able to do this. Mm. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Very good point. I uh, just want to bring in uh, Peter quickly um, around uh, um, from where you're working, the awareness of people of uh, either their, um, uh, the, the opportunities or the things that uh, the law affords them to do. Do you find that uh, a lot of people are actually aware of the, the, the laws and, and what they can and cannot do? Or is there that big lack of awareness around as well of, of, of what is afforded to people? What's your experience in your field? Um, I would say the laws are there, but I think what is lacking most is the legal mm -hmm. literacy. Um, for instance, you know, at our workplace, uh, you know, we have this mandate that we move around uh, um, to assess businesses and to see whether they are following the laid down uh, legal provisions. Um, uh, for instance, the act that we enforce normally says that you no, know, a business person is supposed to put prices on the things that he is selling, so that everybody should know um, uh, that this thing goes yeah. uh, is going out at this price. But you go there, they say uh, we don't know that yeah. it's against the law to put a price. And uh, even if you put a price, it means we, uh, somebody will just see the price mm. and leave us and go somewhere else to buy. So it's like it is working against us as well. So we tend to tell them, you know, what the law says and what they're supposed to do, um, and they uh, they appreciate, and then later on they they follow what is supposed to be done. So what I'm trying to say is that you know we need uh, to civil educate uh, business people who own businesses about the law and what they have to do so that you know they should be on the right side of the law always. Uh, so people had to take this uh, challenge that you no, know, they have to tell uh, business uh, business people what the law says, and they themselves also they have to they have that duty to make sure that they should appreciate what the law says, and uh, they have to do what the law uh, says. And maybe just 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 to add, um, when you talked about uh, foreigners uh, coming in and taking uh, businesses, I have an example. Uh, during our assessments, you know, we also noticed that, you know, refugees from, let's say, Rwanda and Burundi, uh, sometimes they receive, you know, things at the refugee camp, and they make very good mandasi, very big ones. Yeah. Uh, those that are made by Malawians are very small, mm -hmm. uh, and people go for those huge mandasi, and the, uh, these Malawian businesses uh, go out of business. So I would agree that, you know, Foreigners also maybe because they have that uh, financial capacity, uh, they they have that uh, power to move uh, maybe other businesses out of the market. Mm. I'd also hasten to add that you know 
we have two types of entrepreneurs, you know, business uh, businesses in Malawi. Some which are formal, others informal. You no, know, mm-hmm. the formal ones are those people who go through the whole process. You know, they register their business. Uh, they have uh, TP uh, uh, TPs from MRA. You know, uh, they pay tax every every every, every month. And we have these informal businesses that are, uh, are out there, you know. So they don't pay tax, they don't pay money for to register. So they are the ones that are making more, more profits. So those people who want to follow the law are the ones who are going out of business. So I think this is another mm-hmm. area that you know uh, we have to look at, so that uh, businesses should uh, make profits while following the law as well. Yeah. So there are areas that you know need to, uh, to to be looked at, so that you know businesses uh these entrepreneurs should do uh sh- the environment in which they are doing business should be conducive yeah. and should afford the equal opportunity to every person that intends to call out business business wow so yes yes thank you yeah so that that's uh yeah very very, very good points there i guess it's uh that empowerment of people and businesses so that they get to co- compete almost at the same level playing field Otherwise, yeah. uh, the, the the system doesn't work. You know, it's almost what they say. You know, the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. But uh, you know, where those who who don't have much, even the little that <laughs> they have gets taken away and get given to those who already have a lot more. So I guess uh, that's the role of, of government. It's almost to to protect those people and 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 the. Um, People who are in in that less uh, pri- privileged position. So uh, that's uh, that's a uh, great great stuff there. So I guess uh, as we sort of uh, look look to um, com- conclude in a way, um, it's it's that that task of uh, all of these things are, are yes understood and, and documented, but uh, we've moved through the years and a long time. People understand it and not doing it. What are the the things that we should actually be doing or telling the leadership to to do uh, for me um a number of things the issue of, of of corruption i think i was having this discussion about how it's it's probably key to make examples of of people this issue of uh, you know someone getting arrested for corruption and a few hours later they are out of it you know takes the the faith and the belief in the system out from people so they just feel like you know nothing happens and then uh, um you know they probably follow the same so that's probably quite quite key as well and the question of, of leadership us as uh, individuals starting that from our own uh, homes and families you know uh, teaching our kids how things should be and then as they get instilled you know the mindset becomes that if this new generation of our kids gets that different mindset maybe they get to do something in the future as well maybe there's a role uh, for that as well so um as we look to conclude think you guys are sitting in front of the administration for example across all the seven different areas of life whether it's um, um what are they actually like the social uh, physical financial spiritual whatever what would you like to see the administration do to move the country forward? So start with them. Kamban is still around. No, Brenda, you take 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 us forward. What would you like the administration to do? Reverse some uh, of the trends. 
I, I think, uh, and this is a, a personal opinion, and it's not derived from any deep reading, but I think that we have, and I think everybody's touched on it, and there's a recurring thread uh, along where we have the the corporate way of doing things is the standard. Mm. And with all the best will in the world, corporate people and corporate types are trained by the very nature of being corporate types to be very limited in how they think. So mm. you, it, this is not a disrespect to anybody in the corporate sector, but corporate, if you have a brand, just have a set of rules, you stick to them, you replicate them, and you grow. Mm. What we have and what I observed when I was in Malawi, particularly this, this time last year, was, I'll give you an example. Our car broke down, and I had a great big panic because I was nowhere near a city that, where am I going, how am I going, I don't have the AA to call, so the, someone's going to come and winch my car and give me a courtesy car, and off I go. But the ability on the ground to very quickly find somebody, turn up, get it changed. It was, the inflexibility is Malawi's superpower. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. The, the, the lack of structure isn't necessarily a bad thing, I don't think. I think that we are very creative types. You know, uh, we make things out of almost anything. We've got amazing products and we are, a poor country we are not going to grow from within you know if i'm a poor household i've only got so much money in my household i can split it a hundred different ways that's still going to be the same amount of money but we need to start thinking globally we need touched on it you know technology allows us to all sit on this call in different parts of the country in different parts of the world at the same time going out live Malawi needs to harness that. We need to really be at the forefront. It makes me so mad. Malawi has the most expensive data in the world. Mm -hmm. That in itself is putting us back 50 years. Just having that barrier is putting, because that genius in Chitipa that you talked about, who doesn't necessarily have access to Kamuza Academy, has got access to YouTube, has got access to courses from Harvard that are free of charge today. They don't need to say your papers. All you need is an email address. Email addresses are free. Connectivity and tech is the one thing, the one thing, if anybody in government is going to make a big difference, that's the one thing you're going to pour all your money in. Get people coding. Get everybody out with a Pi. A Pi computer costs $13. Get them out. Let people just leave. Don't, don't give them rules. Just say, here's a, here's a Pi tablet. Go and do what you like. And you'll be amazed at just the creativity that we have, that inflexibility. I'm sorry to all my corporate friends, all my learned friends. We are not going to be part of the solution. We are going to be the ones that hold it together while all these other people come in. And, and we have to be open to that. We have to be open. We can't say, yeah, we can't have that mentality. And I promise you, if we get the connectivity, if, we, if the government said to everybody, you get five gig of data free a month, regardless, no questions asked. You register your phone number. When I was in Malawi, I had to get my passport. I had to get my address to register for, a, for a, a phone number. You have one of those. We know you're a citizen. No questions asked. Five gig a month. That kid in Chidipa can go on YouTube and learn to code independent of a teacher who has no resources. Mm. 
they can challenge somebody say actually this thing's broken let me see how it works we have a fabulous story that was around the world every so often about the boy who harnessed the wind we could multiply that a million times over and when we start to export and get funds from outside because of our genius that's when as a country start to grow we're not going to grow from within we need to export our dinza mugs we need to export our coffees we need to, we need all of those things to happen but it won't happen while there's barrier to access to knowledge while there's barriers to the internet the whole world's moved to the internet Mm. COVID-2020, coronavirus has shifted the whole world 20 years. And yeah. we could be there now, not in 20 years, languishing. That's my take on it. As you can tell, I work in tech. I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. I see the difference it makes. Mm. And, um, yeah, I'm going to stop now. Otherwise, I'll carry on talking. <laughs> That's a very, very uh, uh, great, actually, uh, contribution on, on, uh, on that. Because, you know, harnessing technology... Like you are saying, we'll make things move a million years ahead of, of where we are now. I mean, if you look at where people have come from, and, the, and these are the, from a leverage point of view, this is this is the time where you can get a lot done in less time and get a lot exactly done exactly less money as well. And like you, you rightly pointed out, you can move ahead whereby before we had disadvantages of. Uh, maybe money in some senses to, to, to move quite a lot. But there is a sector here in IT where you can literally, like you're saying, today, tomorrow, within a short space of time, be like all oh, these other uh, you know, developing countries just by special things. Because almost anything from an ed education point of view, science, technology, IT, you can do and search and find from online. If you want to understand how uh, like electricity or whatever works or how to harness the sun, you can go online and there'll be tutorials and things for free that can teach you those things that you can become experts in any particular field, you know? So that is, that is really key. So I wanted to check whether the guys on the panel know about this. What is the, the stumbling block for people or internet business and companies in Malawi? Is it that difficult? If I wanted tomorrow to bring my own company to start an internet business and provide it for cheap, I, I, I'm thinking I would not be able to do that. Is, is, is that right in my thinking? There's quite a few stumbling blocks. Maybe some other companies have tried. Because this is like a, a cash cow for, I don't know whether the politicians or a lot of people in business are, 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 are in this but it's, it's a business that's making a lot of money. I mean, a lot, almost every person has got a smartphone. Everyone has got to make a call, has got to do WhatsApp, and has got to do that. And people will pay for a WhatsApp bundle and not eat that evening. Yeah? <laughs> to that extent, I'm sure. So it's, it's quite a, a massive cash cow. So for those people who know and understand are in the system, they'll probably do as much as they can to restrict competition that will drive down profits and things. Because this thing can 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 go in that way. Is 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 my belief correct that the current environment and laws or whatever are quite restrictive in terms of if I want tomorrow to bring in companies to provide the internet for really cheap, like one quarter or something for twenty gig, is is my thinking correct? Uh, KM, are you aware of of those rules and laws? 
Oh, oh, Peter, again, come back again. In fact, I was, I was just typing here yeah, that uh, that question is uh, tailor-made for Peter. Yeah, uh, yes, from a CF, is it CFTA or something? Yeah, so, Morta. CFTA. What, what's the view on that? Okay, I, 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 think, I think I would say that no. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Okay, okay, I, I would say that no, the, the law is clear uh that you know there is need for companies to be in abundance so that there should be competition mm -hmm. so the law is clear companies can come as many as camp as many as many as as many as many companies would come and uh, cut out business internet business so the law is very clear nobody is supposed to be uh prevented from doing that because by doing that it would be uh, against the competition law so mm -hmm. people are encouraged to come uh, and uh, um, establish their companies uh, in Malawi. But in practice, maybe it's difficult for the companies to get established, but the law is very clear. But in practice, you know, there are political issues and things like those, but the law is clear. Every person has got that right to come and establish a company to compete. So we believe that you know, if there are so many companies, there'll be competition. When there's a competition, uh, there'll be uh, better services given to uh, the citizenry um but the other factors maybe that prevent people from establishing those companies but the law is very clear yes yeah because because i mean for the for the big guns who benefit a lot from uh, these uh, these companies you know it, it's uh, uh, quite tricky to, for them to, to see them accepting that either their payouts or the dividends or whatever they get is going to be reduced because someone else is is flooding the market and prices are going down the margins are becoming lower that, that that's what i see but otherwise i mean i i always wonder i mean here in the uk there's so many companies you can get internet there's a lot of competition and things and i wonder why it's not possible for that to be brought you know uh to africa and malawi and thing and it's still very expensive for for um you know broadband or things for people to have why is that you know I, I i always wonder that because it's not it's not something that companies haven't thought about they see africa as a big market a lot of people are looking for data they want to connect and all of that and people are doing that but they are paying the odds for it so someone somewhere is making a lot of money you know so if the laws are there why is it not happening mm -hmm. Maybe our accountants can, <laughs> and the politicians maybe. The accountants, so Winnie, are you guys not providing the funding for these companies? Yeah, because if you can provide a conducive environment, I'll come tomorrow with a few companies, me and Brenda, who start providing uh, um, broadband for for one. We'll call it Brenda Coms. Brenda Coms bundles is what you want. <laughs> you bring internet for one quarter for twenty gig or something. Yeah, but uh, let, <laughs> let, let me add a comment to this. I'm always really curious as to how the companies, uh, telecoms companies, are uh, pick on MTN and Airtel. They're the two. Hmm. I know previously we've had some, and I've actually worked with those old companies in a different life, or hmm. uh, sort of related to Vodacom and so on and so forth. So in the UK, the government auctions off bandwidth so when new technology is coming off whether it's let's use 4g as an example that's the one that's maturing and coming to the end when 4g technology was 
maturing and getting to the point that it was ready for use to go out into the market. So you needed the handsets to be ready, you needed the networks to be ready and the infrastructure to be ready as well. Mm-hmm. The government auctioned off the bandwidth and the, the main, there's four main players, Vodafone, uh, EE, uh, Vodafone EE, uh, O2 and 3 Network. So they all bid on this, but what they do is they bid for exclusivity for a period of six months. The government doesn't allow them have more than six months. So for six months, they have a monopoly on that new technology, mm. right? So it, it always coincides with the best iPhone, latest iPhone coming out, it's gonna be 4G capable. And the only time you can get the super fast broadband is with uh, uh, one company. In this case, it was, uh, it was EE. I don't know if uh, Alex remembers it very well. It was 4G. They had all the adverts. They had yeah. all the biggest names. And the marketing was incredible. And all everybody did for six months was buy EE 4G sims. In the meantime, the other players had to wait. At the end of that six months, the marketplace was open. I'm always really curious to understand how that kind of setup is set up in Malawi. Because at the end of six months, the other players come in and undercut, they can do it cheaper. They've not had to invest in overbidding for that uh, bandwidth that they, they bid for in the first place. So I think it's once we start to understand how these technologies work, how this, it's all a bit mumbo jumbo. Company come, well, no, actually it's not. They've got to get the frequencies. They've, they've got to have them signed off by somebody. And that should be general information. That should be information somebody like me can pick up and learn so that it's not too mysterious it's not mythical Mm. so my take on it is that it's all done under hush hush somebody touched on it i'm not saying anybody changed money in this particular setups but the system is open to abuse Mm. it's open to people to turn a blind eye uh and that once they're set up that six month period isn't necessarily six months it's now 12 months or five years now, if you stifle competition within the within the law, because the lawmakers have not understood what the implications are, or they've not been challenged, or they've not been given the opportunity to say, right, guys, we're going to do this. We want a consultation. What do you think? And that, remember that guy in Chitipa? He, he's been studying, he's been looking in, and he's going to go in and he's going to submit his, his, his consultation. And the likes of Peter, the likes of Winnie and Kambani, they, they sit on these panels doing that consultation and going actually yeah five years sounds great but it's short-sighted because in five years time nobody else would have had a time to to enter the marketplace to challenge the pricing structure to go in and white label the services alex you said that there's lots of supp- uh, providers in this country there's tier one which is the big four they own the infrastructure then you've got tier two who sell those services then i can go off and create brenda comms and sell you guys mobiles. I don't own a network, I don't own a handset, I don't own anything, but because the market is open, I can I can bulk buy data from Alex at Vodafone, and I can bulk buy minutes of, uh, of uh, international minutes, I can bulk, and then I can package them in my own bundles. So I, I might say to you guys, come and buy Brenda bundles. They last a lot longer because I've bought, bought them in bulk. You know, people, we need to break it down so it's not too mysterious. It's not too, you know, everything's a bit, yeah, they're new guys. Uh, how many times you guys hear, ah, I topped up 10 gig yesterday and it's gone. 
Nobody's out to steal your 10 gig. It's how the systems work, but it's too mysterious. People don't understand that, you know, it's all automated. There's machines and great big computers in the back working. Nobody's sat there going, right, minus five, five gig of data. It's not Mpunga. It's not, it's not rice. It's not water, you know? It's, 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 it's advanced, but it's not ones that we can't get our heads around. Mm. And the systems are there for us to learn from how other countries do it. We don't need to do it in a vacuum. Yeah. So on the competition side, you guys need to go and start asking people loads of questions. Pick mm -hmm. and say to them, here's our system, pick holes in it. Go and say to people, we, we think we've got a good system, can you can you go and pick holes in it? Open it up, get it outside of corporate land, get it outside of our learned friends. Mm -hmm. And we all know there's geniuses out there. Otherwise, yeah. you just have people like me that just talk and talk and talk. <laughs> I think Winnie wanted to say something. Winnie, are you still around? Over to you. <laughs> you see? No, no, actually, I didn't want to say something, but I think um, what Linda has said just takes us back mm. to the importance of education and exposure and being able to understand so that we're able to compete. Because everything that she said there was basically Greek to me. I'm like, what is she talking about? <laughs> so it's getting that basic understanding, having the population understand things like this is critical. We know that education is a great equalizer. If we don't have that, we're not going to progress. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So from an entrepreneurial point of view, what are the... The, the hot areas at the moment in Malawi where people are, are making it good and, and, and big. Yeah, KM, where, where are the sectors or the areas to go? Is it, uh, um, uh, I don't know, uh, real estate or, or selling you know, equipment or services or, or what is it, or transport, or is it across the board? Or what are people doing these days? I think on, on that, uh, okay, before I get to that, I just wanted to, to comment on the uh, on the connectivity, the data issues that we were discussing. I just, out of um, experience from, you know, talking to these guys, because there was a lot of discussion around the cost of data in Malawi and the like, but what um, the guys from the industry, uh, you know, tell us really to say, okay, why is it? When we talk to them to say why why are you charging us so much just for for internet for example we um, especially for some of us uh, at the office we're using for example Skyband mm -hmm. so it's a, they always talk about the uh, the high costs uh, for for fiber connectivity so I think it it really talks about the the infrastructure that we currently have uh, on that side so for somebody to get um, uh, you know connected. Uh, uh, the undersea cables or whatever you know that that uh, come through to uh, to us to get us connected to the internet. There's quite 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 a high cost to to that. It's not uh, uh, every gym and Jack who can uh, get into um, into the business and say I'll start an, an internet company. So that could be uh, one of the barriers. I think that the you know the cost, the investment into the fiber fiber networks uh, or just access to to the existing networks. I think that could be one of the areas where. Um, there may be a barrier 
uh, just to answer your question, why as you're thinking about bringing the internet company between yourself, Alex, and Brenda, those could be you know the issues that you you need to look at. Is this they tell us uh, the service providers that it's um, it's quite expensive. So uh, yeah, so I'll mention that not not really you know having the the numbers to to back it up. I'm not not really an expert in that area, but that's that's something that they always mention, and uh, it it seems to uh, you know uh, to to make sense to them that uh, when they build it into their pricing, uh, they have to make sure that they are able to uh, you know uh, to get a return on whatever they have invested into uh, into that system. Yeah. Uh, so I think coming back to what we are talking about in terms of uh, entrepreneurship, we say what what sort of areas? Um, I think what I can say initially is to say that I think what we have seen uh, in the past past few years, uh, most of the entrepreneurs that we are talking about who have really grown very quickly, unfortunately have been uh, maybe entrepreneurs who are politically connected. So the hottest uh, business that has been in the past few years, you know, people that have really been doing, is what we have called tenderpreneur. Right? So a tenderpreneur is really somebody who is able to win government tenders. Uh -huh. So they've got, they're able to win government tenders not because they have got a good quality products or, you know, good quality service or, you know, whatever capacity, but what they have really is the uh, political, uh, connect connectivity. Mm -hmm. So I think that's 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 an area where you find that okay. So there may be entrepreneurs who are trying to uh, to do quite well. Uh, I think it would be wrong to suggest that everyone is in, in that category. But there are you know people who are really doing uh, you know straightforward business that they have really earned because of you know their expertise uh, and the like. But I think they there's a you know. A, a sort of frustration uh, from entrepreneurs because they are quickly overtaken by these people who are uh, who, so, who tend to uh, you know be given business on the basis of uh, being politically connected. Mm. Uh, but in, in general, I think looking at maybe areas, uh, in my view, I think the areas where uh, there's a lot of potential. Um, uh, I think still on the agriculture side, there's a lot of potential that we we can tap into. Yeah. Uh, because where we, we are currently operating, uh, it's at a level where there's a lot of room for commercialization, industrialization. So there's quite a lot of potential, uh, you know, uh, for, for, for growth in that, in that sector. And I think we're also looking at, even when we're talking about energy, there are, uh, you know, big opportunities in energy as well looking at the renewable uh, sources of energy, uh, you know, looking at the solar, you know, solar power solutions. Because I wanted to add also, I think coming to the solar, uh, you know, sector, I think that's an area where we are, we are also seeing some, some growth and uh, largely driven by the fact that there's still a lot of, uh, a lot of people in the country who are not connected to the, to the grid. And, Yes, and I think to the point that um, uh, my colleagues had mentioned, uh, Brenda talked about the, the issue of connectivity. Uh, the challenge that also comes in uh, with the connectivity uh, is that most some of the areas where you would want people to, to access you know, uh, such type of services or um, you know, education uh, materials, for example, 
uh, power uh, supply is is also a big challenge. So I've I've got uh, you know a direct experience. I've, um, I helped to manage a certain school where we were trying to reach out to because of this COVID situation. We're trying to reach out to to parents and students to say, okay, how can we you know still deliver uh, you know materials to the teachers? How can they still continue to uh, to teach their students? Mm -hmm. uh, but using an online platform. So the first challenge was you found that data uh, is not really a priority for most of the parents. Priority not because they just don't want to put education uh, at the you know at uh, at the level where it should be. But it's uh, they're not talking about just survival. I think they want to, to prioritize buying maize. They're talking about you know the basic requirements that are, as a family uh, need. Uh, even to you know to just get uh, a computer or a laptop uh, for for you know for a student, it's not it's not uh, as easy as it may uh, it may seem. So yeah. even the government, I think they tried to to come up with this uh, online you know delivery of uh, uh, education. I think for for some of the um, secondary school students, I don't think it, it it worked. They talked about it. There was TNM who partnered them. But I don't. Uh, we have not seen the results to say that it has worked. So those could be some of the challenges uh, that we, uh, as a country, are, are currently facing. So I think to answer your question, I would, I would think that there's a lot of there's still massive opportunity in in, in the energy sector. There's uh, a lot of you know uh, opportunities for for whether it's small scale or big scale provision of power to to the country. There's still you know we are very. Uh, and at the moment, I think when we're talking about industrialization, there's still a limit as to how much ESCOM, for example, and AGENCO can, can provide power to, uh, you know, to help industry and even for, for households. So there's uh, an element there where uh, maybe entrepreneurs can come in to look at the other you know, sources of you know, supply. And, and obviously on the agriculture sector as well. I think maybe I'm biased being a farmer myself, but I think we're looking at... Uh, using you know innovations that we've we've talked about. So even what we are discussing on the connectivity side, uh, yeah. there'll be opportunities where we can uh, improve the systems that we are currently using. Yeah. I know for a young uh, you know two young guys who implemented uh, or who actually designed and implemented a system, an irrigation system which can you know actually be operated uh, via phone. So they can run, you know, they can, you know, open and close the education system just using a phone. So those would be, I think, the innovations that we should be, you know, encouraging the young, the young guys to to look at. Okay. Wow. That's uh, very interesting. So almost looking at it from a encouraging creativity from uh, from people to bring out their ideas of what they can do. But also within uh, like a, a venture capital infrastructure, whereby for those people who can bring maybe funding and encourage those those guys to come up with their ideas and then support and fund them. So, but uh, again, the political and economic and legal and the tax framework has to be conducive to those kind of things because these are these are the things for me. I'm uh, you know person I'm I'm looking into to see. What are the areas that uh, you know for us maybe in the diaspora we can make a difference in? But uh, uh, with that, I guess comes in the collaboration to make sure that you know 
if and when we come out there, you know, we come with our proposals and with whatever it is, you know, you guys can uh, can be uh, there to collaborate and support and show us where the loopholes are and how to plug them, but still within that grand vision of doing something that we can actually move the country forward on. So, um, I mean, me personally, I've got a ambitious plans that are, um, I'm, I'm putting together that I want to to, to drive through the country, which are, which involve a lot of uh, collaboration with uh, a lot of people. And they, they include uh, building entire townships from scratch, yeah, with, uh, um, you know, everything. If you, if, you, if you look at building a, a township that involves uh, having a schools there, having uh, um, uh, you know, tra transport, you know, shopping centers, uh, residential uh, uh, provision, but at, at a grand scale to, to, an, to an extent that uh, you are incorporating, like we are saying, technologies and recycling so that they can actually become self-sustainable, you know, so that will involve uh, a lot of uh, planning and collaboration, but uh, within the, the 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 understanding that there are people who understand these things, they are encouraging uh, innovation and encouraging things. That's the extent whereby when we come and bring these ideas, we should make it conducive. We provide the support where there's uh, as I said loopholes in doing this. We try and close them together, but uh, the the patience and the leadership and everything else that we can carry and we can bring it forward, but we'll be looking for you guys there to, to, to make it that conducive. Then you get that contribution from uh, the, the diaspora or people who are outside who the encouragement is for, you know, come back and do stuff here and help your country and all of that. But where people get stuck, you know, is uh, where they come and do that and they see themselves, their lifestyle or whatever, uh you know go down because they can't move things forward like we've discussed with the education the system has collapsed over years so no one wants to see uh their progression you know go down over years everyone is looking to improve but the way you can improve is when you have that collaboration and that support then you can see you're moving forward otherwise people just stay here you know, Brenda, that's why he just stays in Nottingham. It's not, she's not coming back to Malawi, you know? The way she was uh, complaining, <laughs> all the things she faced when uh, she was in Malawi. And uh, was it the conclusion that no more, you're not going back, Brenda? What was the conclusion? But this is your time to go back and get over this pain. <laughs> I, I wanted to come back to Malawi. I've always wanted to come back. The, the, the issues have been, and this is a very political thing, is that Malawi is one of a handful of countries that would not allow or permit me to have dual citizenship. And the, 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 the strength of feeling in the general population that because you have taken up citizenship of another country for whatever reason, it could be love, it could be opportunities that came up, it could be whatever. It's my right as a human to take up uh, citizenship elsewhere uh, and the, the the pure feeling that you know I am less than Malawian purely because I'm also a citizen of, the, of another country and the barriers that were put yeah. up against that it's really off-putting uh, Malawi is happy to take money from South Africans who have not uh, they don't care about Malawi they care about they don't even care to treat Malawians well 
I mean, how many times have you gone to the resort that's owned by South Africa and you treat like trash? Um, but yeah, I've always wanted to come back. If the time is right, the opportunity is there. I'll come back to Malawi, you know, and uh, make some noise. And then if people start chasing me with sticks and stones, I'll run back. <laughs> but it's not been very conducive for a lot of very brilliant people to come back. We have lost a big chunk of, re not me, not me. I'm not saying I'm brilliant. I know a lot of very, very brilliant engineers, software people that are doing amazing things in their fields in foreign lands um, that, you know, on paper, Winnie said, you know, people have those discussions all the time with their families. Once you have children, what are we going to do? Where's the future going to lie? What's the best thing we can do for their future? Where are we going to get the most, uh, give them the best for their potential? And I'm sorry, I, I had to make that decision to say that staying in the UK mm. is the best thing for me and my family at this moment in time. Uh, however, if the opportunities were actually, you could mitigate some of that but by, by going home and doing X, Y, and Z. And it was easy enough because I'm a citizen of both mm -hmm. and not a foreigner, then that would come two, three years, contribute what I can, and they come back. But I'm, I'm, it's all or nothing. The system has been, you're either here with us suffering and, and you know going through what we're going through, or you're not. And, and, and the, the, the ability to see beyond... When I was at Ibeda, it was really astounding. It was really, I'm not present company accepted, of course, but um, yeah. it, 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 you give people a choice to make and they will make that choice. And unfortunately, Malawi doesn't always win. Yeah, cool. I, I think uh, um, the challenge that I have taken up is uh, to really embrace this uh, technology thing because, like, we have been uh, um, uh, talking here now. It's just as, uh, well, maybe not as good, but we are collaborating. We are here, you guys are in Malawi, we are collaborating. We can make decisions here. We can make uh, our plans and visions and things that we want to, to build. And we can be either on a weekly or monthly basis, be talking to each other, briefing each other, and uh, you know, getting things done on the ground and collaborating at this scale using technology. Yeah. So I'm gonna... Uh, be challenging you guys about this because we can we can do a lot a lot of a lot of stuff. So I've got a grand ideas that I'm working on, and uh, you guys will get to to see them at the right times, and uh, hopefully you get on board. But this this is our time. Like we say, we are in the what what is now, and the leadership position that we talk about should be taken uh, up by ourselves. Yeah. So I see um, Brenda is gonna become minister of technology in Malawi or something like that. So, uh, oh well and well and good. So we'll be looking looking forward to that. But uh, I think we should uh, uh, really really embrace this this uh, technology and moving the country forward and doing something about it. So if there's going to be someone who's gonna take up a, a bit of role to collaborate and bring everyone in and look at help, you know, I make sure Brenda gets on board and, and myself will try and do something, even if it's something that we have a grand vision of and we are not going to complete in our generation, but at least we start something, a movement or something that uh, affects a bit of change. Otherwise, no one else is going to do it, you know, and uh, we say, now we are looking at leadership, people who are in leadership now. We are in our 40s or getting into our 40s now. 
when is it that we are going to be the leaders you know you guys are moving up to be the ceos and the people leading the organization so now is the time there was this guy was in the was in chamisa whatever in, uh, in zim who was is about 40 he was going to become uh and he didn't win he was going to become president Actually, how old is is Chilima? Actually, how old is Chilima? Is he? Is not that old, is he? Anyone? How how old is uh, Chilima? Kiam, do you know Peter? Uh, yeah, he should be about forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's in the there and thereabouts, you know, now our sort of ages. So I mean, if he's uh, in leadership being vp i mean we should be driving these uh, either you know big developments or big projects or big something we should be taking up those uh, those uh, initiatives and uh, um uh yeah initiatives and and projects so i'm for one i want to take up that that, that kind of uh, project with uh, with big visions you know with, with, with not not something that is for yeah. uh, a year or two years or something but something that is you know from the first of it looks grand or massive because if you're gonna achieve something uh, i was reading um, in, in one of my studies somewhere where it says that you know if you want to uh, achieve something like that as an individual you have to look uh, you have to have a cause that is beyond you so if i want to achieve something for me i look at the cause which is my family if I want to uh, achieve a, a, a cause beyond my family, I look at my community, a cause which is in my community. If I want to achieve something beyond my community, I'm looking at my uh, uh, city, for example, yeah? my city. If I'm looking for beyond my city, I look at the state or the district. Beyond that, I'm looking at a nation. Beyond the nation is the globe, and beyond that is the astronomical. So you are getting into the realms of the great thinkers of the aristotle or plato all of that so you're outside looking in not the other way around you're inside looking out so i'm standing out there in my astronomical vision i'm looking at what is happening and i can strip you know the, the places and the visions and global because you you understand and know that uh, uh you know all, all of us we have uh uh, almost um, what, what do we call a vision be, beyond ourselves yeah so a, 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 an, a, an immortal is it mortal being in a way so that we want to achieve things or legacies which they are not just for the now just for the us but they are our immortal expressions in a way so when uh, all this is done people will say oh this is a a, a Chile institute of development this is a uh, uh, you know, Peter Mota Stadium, and this is a Brenda Malinke uh, uh, Institute of Neurological uh, Studies or something like that, and the Winnie uh, Institute of, uh, oh, Brenda Institute of Technology or something, you know? <laughs> so those, those kind of things, and those structures will stay in 500 or whatever years, and the name will stay in the, in the same way, we still talk about Plato and Aristotle. I mean, how many years did those guys live? You know, years and years ago. So mm -hmm. we need to start thinking in those visions. You know, so and it, it starts with with now and myself and all of you getting that into uh, into space. So yeah, it's been uh, quite an interesting discussion. I think we've gone on for quite a while now. I think uh, 
probably some of us need our beauty sleep now. It's been too long. We are getting that old, so we should go and have beyond the, the tea. What, what times do we do we still eat um, this um, the tea and the matters? I remember our time we used to have uh, <laughs> maungu and uh, uh, <laughs> all that stuff with chimanga. Yeah, so and all that. Do people still do that now? Like in the, in the villages, some of these traditions still kept, like those kind of things. Yeah, <laughs> are they? Yes, they do. Yeah, we do. What do they do? We do. do, do? Even, even talk, yeah, but we do. People still do. <laughs> yes. So, that, yeah? Yes. Yes, we do. We do. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Hey. Ma, ma, yes. Ma, 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 and uh, and that. Yes. Tradition. When you go to the village. And if you and if you and if I think that's one of the things that we need to actually change. When you talk about food, we spend so much time hmm. cooking. Like yeah. literally, we believe in spending an hour in the morning cooking, an hour in the afternoon cooking, or two hours. Then hmm. at tea time, we're cooking again. What time do we have to be productive? So this is one of the things that I always say as well, that as Malawians, we need to cut out all this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm focused on being more productive. Yeah. I I agree with Winnie. We don't need to fresh cook and simmer freshly every day. We don't need to simmer more morning, noon, and night. Get the um, food on the go, you know. Brilliant. Working lunch should be a yeah. thing. Who say no? We have talked about leadership here. So yeah. our leaders, even our leaders have said it is Katatu. Yeah. So you can't do anything about that. <laughs> he, he didn't say yeah, cook three times. He said eat three times. Eat three times. Yes. Not cook three times. No. <laughs> we need to say we should be cooking three times a day. That's what we need to say. We must be more efficient. With our time. I can't keep it. So it has to be cooked in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen microwaves in Malawi. I've seen them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Top> <laughs> Well, I guess it doesn't taste the same. Kungo it and taste, I guess. It does. It good. You see the main bread? Uh, no, sacrifices <laughs> must be made. If we are going to progress, we must sacrifice and eat good yeah. for the good of our nation. That's what we must do. If we can liberate three hours a day for productivity, to, to, to 15 hours a week. That's practically half a working week. When when was the last time when you, you the last time that you cooked in sim? She's just talking about cooking, but she doesn't do the cooking at home. <laughs> ask me, ask me, ask me. <laughs> what do you mean I don't cook? <laughs> don't I'm a Korean mom. <laughs> no, when is efficient. She plans her week. She cooks one time. Everybody fends for themselves. <laughs> put, put in the freezer. Cook, put in the freezer. That's it, isn't it? But but I, I wonder, in the spirit of embracing all these technologies, isn't it possible to invent some contraption that cooks in Sima? You just press a button and uh, 
five minutes later, you haven't seen that. I, I, I think somebody invented it, similar to uh, to uh, uh, a rice cooker, rice but cooker. everybody said, oh, see, Marco, my mozi, mozi, so that's We must have yeah, the thing is, we must understand every meal cannot be a fine dining experience. We eat for sustenance. Yeah. So the one time that you sit down by weekend with your families, that's when you can really enjoy your three hour lunch and you go, I'm enjoying the week. I stay. And I had to cook for hours and hours. We get lunchtime. I can't, I can't believe my mom used to take two hour lunches to go, they should finish from work. In Blantyre, go to Limbi, collect me and my sister from school. We drive to Chileka, she'll sit down, eat lunch, and then go back to work. Hi! <laughs> the amount of times I've had to grab a subway on the go. Jeez, yeah, a but, different but, world. But then, Brandon, you're, you're probably tapping into some uh, uh, signatures or traditions which make up nations, probably, because there will be things which are like a signature of a particular nation, and that's what they are known for. If anything else fails, they can't be a developed nation in the in the sense of the internet or the computers or the what but at least they get to have an awesome meal you know that is uh, the signature but, but it's killing us <laughs> yeah. it's holding us back we must, <laughs> not, we, must, we, we must not hold on to traditions that are counterproductive to our vision yeah. of greatness and that's yeah. the best thing i can say if a tradition is there, if a tradition is there and it's stopping you as a human or us as a people progressing, getting to the next phase, allowing us to have more for everybody else, it's a rubbish tradition. Bin it. It's worthless. <laughs> yeah, but then the, 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 the in, in the same thing we are talking about uh, being able to see the the fruits of your labor. So if you're going to give up those traditions or whatever, you're expecting to see that in five years or two years' time, you're going to see the benefits of that which you gave up. But in this instance, those benefits are probably going to materialize, you know, beyond our lifetime and in generations to come. So people, then that's where it ends. That, ah, but at which point do we become adaptable? If we can't become adaptable at the small things, how do we become adaptable? big things. If we can't get past the idea of eating is sustenance, I can have a good meal in the morning, I can have a good meal in the evening. I don't need a two-hour lunch in the middle because that's when everybody should be working. If we can't adapt to the small things, how are we going to adapt to the big things? Yeah, that's true. But I, I guess maybe <laughs> sell, sell them the vision. Sell, sell them what is it that they are working for and when are they going to realize or get the benefit? then people will buy into that. So uh, otherwise, uh, you know, what, what, what are you selling? If uh, in uh, two years' time or three years' time, nothing is going to change, then uh, people, uh, they don't see why they should stop having a two-hour lunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like the, way, the reason I decided to stop doing the lunch, so at my house, we don't do a full steamer lunch. We do snacks. Because mm. I also look at my electricity bill and I say this is ridiculous. Because in the morning I'm using energy. At lunch I'm using two hours. My stove is on. In the evening another two hours. It doesn't make financial sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then if you look at the village, it also goes. If you look at the village, if they're using firewood morning, afternoon, night, where are they getting the firewood? 
they're cutting down trees, which is yeah. deforestation, which is yeah. then leading to a whole other different conversation. So mm. it's not just about the meal, but it's also about the issues that surround yeah, the meal. Yeah. So we feel like, okay, we're having the benefits, but then we're losing out on so much more because of decisions like that. Mm. But yeah, I, th I think you're right, Win. But then, then these are the spaces where we need now to bring our creativity. You know, how can mm. we solve these things? How can we become more efficient? How can we develop new products, new services, or new ways of doing this? Like, for example, you know, in your example, maybe we can bring uh, solar or something so that you're not dependent on that electricity. You can have it for, for cheap and it gets you to do all the things that you need to do. I mean, that's one example. What else can we, can we do? There's, uh, they, they say man is at uh, the greatest uh, creativity when faced with challenge, yeah? So these, these are the challenges we are facing. So we get our creative cup thinking on to say, how can we uh, develop and do things differently, more efficiently, in a new way, and so on and so forth. So for me, my cup is always on like that. I'm just uh, challenging things, and especially when people demonstrate that understanding and they are saying, yes, we can do this, we can do that. Let me call, call them up on that, you know, call their bluff and say, okay, I've developed this. You say you can help ABCD. Okay, what can mm. you do? So that's uh, all the other ways. But yeah, there's some great traditions in Malawi, which I guess you have to balance losing some of your cultural identities and traditions in the scheme of... Uh, uh you know developing and technology where do you strike the balance because you want to end up the country being a, like a western country like europe or you keep some things but get rid of others and so on and so forth so that's a, a delicate balance but uh, slowly by slowly i think people are getting educated understanding a different mentality i think the next stage is to translate that mentality into practical steps of um, doing things on new projects and, and stuff. Otherwise, it just sits as a mentality and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's been uh, an awesome nearly three hours and talking about all things Malawi and tradition and things. So it's really been great. So thank you so much, guys, for joining in into the the discussions. I think uh, we should almost do have these touch points aside to the WhatsApp group, but uh, actually get to see each other. Internet challenges on. I guess uh, is there is there such thing as um, uh, unlimited internet? Is there that provision in Malawi? Maybe it's expensive, mm -hmm. but is, is it available at all? Like you have here. So, <laughs> There isn't, and it frustrates me because uh, so uh, my daughter has a, a phone and she gets 120 gig a month to use for whatever she wants. Mm. Uh, I think the most she's ever used is 18 gig um, mm. in one month, and even then, I was really shocked. Um, uh, and what we spend, what I spend on that is 18 pounds, which is 18,000. Malawi guash. Mm -hmm. Malawi guash, give or take. Mm. And it's, 
I know that there's a big disparity, but for Malawi to be the, the most expensive in the world, mm. the most expensive in the world, that, you know, we're the poorest and we, our barrier to access to, to knowledge is, is so, so high because the technology is cheap now. You know, handsets are available. They're very, the, the entry into that technology is cheap. It's not like my computer were extremely expensive. You know, you, you, not everybody had computers. Goma, with mobile phone, mobile technology, mobile phones, tablets, uh, things that can connect out to the internet. You know, the whole world's moving to the next phase now at Internet of Things. I'm working on a project that's working on data, collecting because there's so much data being collected. There's a whole new field uh, for data management and looking at data and data science. That's all coming into its own. And we, we, we are limited because it's so expensive. You know, if we talk about investments, I think we, I, I feel like, or I get the impression that when we use the word investment in Malawi, almost as if there's no return. An investment gets you a return. Mm -hmm. It's not just poor, education isn't just pouring money into a black hole. It gets you a return. If we put investment in technology, if we put, you know, I, I'm always shocked that the, the key critical infrastructure for communication within the country is outsourced to a private company. If that boss dies, somebody comes in, doesn't like the smell or the look of the country, and it pulls the plug, who, do, who does, you know, you get to a point where the network is saturated because they will start to limit the network to do what they like. The government needs to be actively investing in those in those in in that infrastructure, more so than a road. I would argue that having uh, the broadband and internet connectivity up and down the country is more important than getting the M1 retirement. Mm. Yeah. I would argue that having access for every citizen to knowledge, because Peter, you talk about uh, let's let's look at real life problem. We talk you talked about people selling; they don't understand what I must display a price on my goods. That's the law, and it's only when you go out if you have a handset. The dissemination of that information is quick, and we know Malawi takes up technology quick. Mm. How my Airtel money was picked up so quickly. My sister, my grandma in the village, they know Airtel money. That was so we're not slow as a country. We we have too many barriers, and we have a very. I don't know if 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 any of you guys have driven from Mangochi to to Neza using the the road that goes up and down the mountains. You can see okay. Okay. Yeah, that's being done by hand. Oh. What is going on? You've got Alex will back me up on this. They they are doing a smart motorway here on the M1. That's the biggest trunk road. It goes from the south to the north. At no point do they close it off to traffic. At no point do they close it off to traffic, ever. Traffic still flows all day, all night. It still flows. It's it's not that we can't plan because we have the geniuses. They've all been abroad. They've all studied. It's just that when it comes to it, to, to really pushing that vision forward, it's like get some diggers out. <laughs> you know, we've all taken these big bank loans from India. Get some diggers out. Give them three weeks, dig up that road, lay the fiber and put it down. Because the longer it takes, I don't understand why there's lacking in that final push. Like, 
one of one being like, oh, it wasn't the boss's idea, so I'm going to sit on it. Because if I go to one Alex and say, one Alex, she wants to be a boss. And, you know, he forgets, what do we have a vision to deliver something? Mm-hmm. And we are accountable to somebody else. And that, that frustrates me. From a tech point of view, that really, really frustrates me. You guys with young, young kids that are having to learn online and they're talking to you about iPhones, they, they talk the language that you, you guys don't understand. If you if you take your kids, Alex, my kids and company and Peter's kids, put them, they will talk about stuff that we don't know. So even us, we're old news. Mm-hmm. But what do we do? Hey, sorry, my guy, debt is too expensive. You know? Mm-hmm. Go and read Dean Van Tala. Dean Van Tala has a place, but in 2020 and beyond, yeah. you've got to know who the later, you've got to know what's happening on TikTok. You've got to know that's the way the world is going. TikTok will be out of fashion in a, in a short minute. It will be something else. That will be out. By the time I said, oh, no, TikTok. You know, there was Vine. There was, we're, we're being left behind unnecessarily. It's not like back in the day when we didn't have access to when the world wasn't so global. I get really frustrated, really, really frustrated. But mostly is that the human resource is there. Yeah. Hands down. Hands down, you know. My in West Africa, I not like Athaku Malawi, you know, Athaku Malawi, they're very, very bright. And we have the added advantage. We never go to war with anybody. <laughs> We've never been to war. We have no desire for war. Mm. None. And how do we languish with South Sudan, which from its very inception was war, has remained in war? How do we... How are we comparable to that? We must do some serious source searching. I know the Majesty has answered but the attitudes are that we refuse to budge on anything. Mm. And nothing, nothing. We, we refuse to budge. What I say to everybody, I challenge them, budge and see. If it's bad, you can always go back, but you might surprise yourself. Sure. Alex sent me a message. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but I have a version of it that I needed to get out of my comfort zone into mm-hmm. the growth zone. Yeah. yeah, and he said, uh, and that's what I'm talking about. We are very comfortable mm-hmm. with where we are as a nation. We're very comfortable with our, in our poverty. We're very comfortable in our mediocre services. We're very comfortable in our really poor uh, mortality rate on the roads. You know, we're very comfortable, Bangos. We are very comfortable to children going to school, standard one to form four, and coming out with nothing. We're very comfortable with our children going to university, spending four years, and half the time they're not in class, not learning. We're very comfortable with all these geniuses being denied a future uh, because we're comfortable. We're not pushing ourselves to go out of that discomfort zone. Actually, let me see what it's like not to eat a big lunch. You know, if I push my team to say, I want you here by seven o'clock, and we're going to power through every day and we finish early on Thursday. You have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Let's see what those results are. Can you imagine going, Alex, how long have you ever queued in a bank in the UK? Mm. Yeah. You hardly queue in the bank. The, the amount of money banks spend to stop people queuing, you'll be amazed. Mm-hmm. In fact, now they've got it to a point where they don't even want you in the bank because that's wasting money. They yeah. want you, I've started a business, my bank account is on a phone. Not even on a PC, on a phone. The barriers to entry are too high. They're too artificial. We're not. We're too afraid of 
and I'm talking from a tech point of view, as I don't understand, from a tech point of view, we've left it to the tech heads. We've left it to these people because it's all a bit, it's, we treat it like a, a true science. So we're not, we're not ready to understand, you know, and there's a certain aspect of it that we'll never understand truly. I mean, we're afraid of asking those questions. What, ah, tell me, TNM, how, how is it? What you are saying? It's expensive. Yeah, but why is it expensive? Mm-hmm. Tell me, why is it expensive? Okay, how does it work? Explain it to me in layman's terms. Don't give me the technical stuff. Explain it to me in layman's terms. How you get data from my phone out to the internet. Don't let don't let them get away with this whole, you know, it's 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 we have to do yeah, they're doing that because they're protecting their interests. They don't care about you. And you know, it, COVID happened and the world went into lockdown, all your school's kids closed down. And that was a big headache. I remember you guys stressing out. Fees we still have to pay. And then on top of that, we have to pay the most expensive data in the world. You know, whilst I'm stressing, my kids are going to take a knockback. They've missed six months of school, but they've had access to internet. What what does that what does this six months to a year of lockdown is that what's the impact on this generation? These kids now, if you multiply that my figure in five years' time, is the dif- this difference even bigger? Is the disparity even bigger because of it? It doesn't need to be. The government can do these things. There's always money. There's always money. The government is not ending in five years' time. It's there forever, unless if the world's ending. Nobody knows what date that is. They can print money to be paid off in 100 years. But, again, that's just my take. I think I'm very, very passionate about this. When uh, uh, I don't know if you can tell. We had the uh, first lady came to London a few years ago. And there's going to be a ladies that lunch and da, da 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 And she came with a prepared speech and she had a beatific- beautification for girls or something, beautify Malawi or something. I can't remember what it was called. I was bored. So I said to her, I said, uh, where, where do you see girls in tech in all of this? Mm. And she said, oh, what do you mean? So I explained very briefly. I said, right, okay. So in, in tw- this was 2017. In 2017, as long as you got access to the internet, you can pretty much do anything and everything you want. Where in your scheme of, uh, you know, empowering girls, a girl child, blah, 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 where, where does it fit? Because as far as I can see, it's all about clothes, about books and pens. I said, the world doesn't use that anymore. <coughs> you, don't, you don't need a pen. You don't need books in that traditional sense. You don't need a writing pad. <laughs> what you need is a device that you can access all that information you don't need to have notepads and notepads and notepads of notes because you can store all of that in the cloud. Where, where is that? Oh, she said, that's really, really good point. Um, give us your name and number and your address details. And, you know, that's something that we could just said, look, I'm not asking to do it. I don't want to be on the ground. I was just asking the question. It would be really good to see some progress or something happening in that front. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. And to me, it was just like, but you say you wanted the girls to do well. You wanted them to to to, to go further and faster and wider. Uh, and I I think that the boys are being left behind. I think that the agenda of the girl child also means that the boy child is being left behind. And I think if we're going to create equal opportunities, it has to be exactly just that. Mm. If I was to ask you how many, you know, we talk about KA. KA has 597 students, I think, of 2018, 2019. 
uh, two thirds of, I think, two two hundred ninety seven were girls and two hundred forty eight were boys. If you multiply that every year at the elite level of education, guess what's going to happen? The boys become the disadvantaged ones. We need to start looking at. All those, and I know you guys think, oh, yeah, I'm a Bangladesh that's my all the time. Actually, I don't. I just want yeah. fairness. I just want <laughs> fairness. I want, if you're the brightest person in the room at that time, I want you to have a fair opportunity and a fair crack at it. Not because you're a girl or you're from the north or you're, you know, you know, I happen to know Alex or I happen to know Gambani. No, I don't think that should be the case. But as far as technology is concerned, you guys need to start making some noise. Uh, don't lobby the, the private companies because they're protecting their interests and their investment. You need to start lobbying the government hard, hard. If they've got people in place that don't know what they're doing and get them to get people, say, you, you hold that position, it's fine. You want to be the face, fine. But get people in who understand, who will brief you. Donald Trump doesn't understand anything. Yeah, he runs the, the he, he you think Donald Trump knows anything about anything. He knows nothing. But he was the the, 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 the the Republican Party want him to be the face because that's what gets them the votes. He's not running any of the shows. Boris Johnson, he knows when I hear ministers here talking about uh, telecoms, I scream, I scream at the radio. I'm like, that's not how it works. They've been briefed. On a two paragraph thing and they'll just repeat that in three different ways on four different television shows and that's it they don't need to know they've got people that understand who don't care for the limelight and we don't even have that you know and this is the time malawi is like eh, the way malawi is so <laughs> the way you guys should handle this uh, election business it, 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 let me put it in in in, in um, let me put it in context the UK did Brexit. Brexit was fudged. They cheated, they cheated, they cheated. And as much democracy and history and all the things, we have failed to get it through the courts, go through the proper processes. Malawians did it. Malawians went, now. Nah, hold on a minute, something's wrong here. We're going to make sure it's right. Whether we have external donors or not, we're going to run through this. You have the If you guys can achieve that, I don't see why you can't achieve anything. That's what I think. That's why I get frustrated. That's why I get frustrated. Not because I don't want to come to Malawi, not because I don't like, I love coming to Malawi, believe me, I do. But I get frustrated that you guys don't see, not you guys per se, but Malawi doesn't see her own beauty. She doesn't see her own potential. She doesn't want to dream big and place herself. Actually, we want to be top 10 in the world for X. There's nothing Malawi has that they say, we're going to be top 10 in the world for this, nothing. And if Malawi can identify one, two, three things where they're going to say, India does it, Korea did it, and look at Korea now. Korea was a, was a nothing country 60 years ago. <coughs> Korea was a nothing country 60 years ago. My handset is a Korean. The cars on my street are Korean. The ovens in my kitchen are Korean. It starts with saying, we want to be top 10 of this in the world. And we're going to make people who do this not pay any tax. We're going to shield them from things that make them fail. That's where the Peters come into the world. That's where the companies, the leaders of industry, the Alexis, you know, we're, we're arguing about nonsense billboards, guys. That billboard is going to change nothing for no one. It will have no impact on improving anybody's life. Nobody but the person who got paid to put that billboard up. I can tell you now. Mm -hmm. How much time did we spend? 
did, have we ever in a group thought, what, what can Malawi be top 10 at? Let's really brainstorm this. Never. <laughs> Never. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. I'm done preaching now. Malawi, and I drink coffee from my, my, mug, my mug from Deza. I don't know if you can see yeah. the supporters. Yes. So I support home industries as well as talk. Walk the talk, walk the talk and talk the talk. That will that, uh, be the topic of the next podcast, the top yes. 10 of Malawi. Do, honestly, challenge it. Put, put a competition out there. Put it all out to all of Malawi. Say, we want top, Malawi is going to be top 10 of these things and yeah, collect yeah. The, the top 10 answers that come back and then challenge the government, challenge investors. Alex, yeah. you work in the city. You know how to get money out of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Gamban, you, you guys, you, you, we work, you know the law. Even just looking at my cl our class alone, just our class. Mm -hmm. Never mind, uh, Bole, never mind looking at all the other. Just look at our class. There's no, no reason we can't deliver on anything we want to. Absolutely. I don't know what stops this. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, when that position comes, Peter, you know, yes. Minister for Speaking. <laughs> <laughs> is it going to be two? Is it going to be Minister for Speaking and uh, what's the other one? Minister of Information Technology. Oh, yeah, I, no, speaking, Bas, just speaking. What I speak about, who knows? Just speaking. But I think, but, but before before you go, just go Brenda, for, for your benefit, and I know you're very passionate about the ICT. Uh, I think one thing that we forgot to mention, I know there's a there's a big project, what they're calling um, the Digital Malawi Project or something like that. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, of course, being led by the Malawi out. government. Yeah, so just look it up, Digital Malawi Project. Uh, it's being, um, actually, there's a K person there. It's, it's actually, there's Zanga Pei uh, Jimombo. I think we, oh, you yeah. guys know. Christopher. Christopher, Christopher. Christopher. Yeah, I know. No, no, more or less, like uh, spending that project from because it's being handled by Malawi government, the World Bank, and uh, on the ground here, yeah, I think the ones that are really implementing um, this public-private uh, partnership uh, commission. Yeah, PPP. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, so I think it's a big project because they, I think the aim is really to to bring ICT to, to a different, a whole different level, uh, because they see it as, uh, I mean, obviously ICT is. Uh, uh, an enabler in terms of sustainable development, you know, yeah. issues that we've talked about, ed education, job creation, and you know, all those all those areas. So that one is, is quite big. So if you look it up, I think it's, it's one of the big projects. The idea is to to increase access to, to what broadband services yeah. and you know, link government services as well to make sure that they are you know accessible uh, online and all those, all those uh, issues. Mm -hmm. So I think we we are not. I think we're not completely. Uh, out of it, but I think they just need to, to focus more to ensure that uh, such projects are really, you know, really deliver the intended objectives. Yeah, yeah. delivery yeah. must happen. It must happen. Mm, no, oh, it's a pretty big one. Seventy-two point four million US dollars committed. Yeah, wow, that's, uh, that's huge. Yeah, that's so that's three three disbursement. Dis Fees just okay. They've got the uh, financial activity as of July thirty first. Mm -hmm. Where's the totals? Disbursement. There's quite a lot of money has been disbursed on this already. See, I talk like a, an accountant yeah. now. You see, <laughs> I think it's been, it's been around for for the past 
maybe a year yeah, or 2017. Two years. No, it yeah, says 2017 yeah. when it started. Yeah. Yeah. So the first, no, yeah, 2018, you're right. So the first uh, lot was um, September 2018. But guys, let me tell you. Yeah, let me just tell you. This is a lot of money. Yeah, for the likes of you and me. But that kind of money, people buy for a house in London. I, 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 I'm not. Jo I'm not joking. Well, let's put it in context. Eh? Alex's neighbors buy houses in millions of pounds. Yeah. So this is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. It will make a difference. Yeah. I am not impressed. How are we going to compete compete with a world that's spending billions? On their infrastructure, well, but we we need a starting point. So I think yeah, I, I don't I know do agree. It's a starting at. point. I don't know whether because usually what will happen is um, if I don't know whether that is just the component of the World Bank funding um, because such projects usually will have an element of government funding and uh, and uh, okay. You know, and World Bank funding. Is it is it being so, much like I'll, I'll look into it. I'll look into. It. I won't take yeah, too much time I, on this. Yeah, I don't have the details, it. but I'll suspect that that probably be the financing from, from you know from the world bank or whoever else is mm -hmm. uh, involved wow okay no that looks um yeah but that that can be your, your homework uh, homework and which place as well yeah. honestly i am the driver i am an apili i am the guard i am the one who has to get the car washed oh my days yeah, I do miss I do yeah. miss the extra support here. Uh, more readily right. available. But guys, I have to go. My kids are uh, just say hello. That is that is really, say hello. 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 Uh, oh, they can't they can't hear you. They're hungry. They they've been neglected. Wow. So I'll go and I'll go yes. and sort them out and uh, finish the day. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Quite an uh, interesting discussion, quite a number yeah, of feedback and all that. So it's really been great. Thanks for yeah. you. But I'm sure you probably spend a fortune on this. We have, we need But this is why we need this digital thing to come on so we can have yeah. a. No, no, it's, it's very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah very otherwise, important. Otherwise, you know. This kind of discussion calls here. We can spend time do strategy and projects and things and stuff, and we need exactly. that. Yes, so um, hopefully um, we'll be. But yeah, thanks yeah. for for coming on. So we'll catch up soon, then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the initiative. Uh, uh, so yeah, sure. Make sure we put We put some me. Before we go, sorry, what, what kind of volume is it you're doing? Is it animal or 
plants or what is it? You do, you do both. So we yeah. doing um, okay. I think the the larger scale is on the on the animal side, mm. um, but uh, we're also doing uh, on the you know the plant the plant side as well. Yeah. So on the animals, it's basically just doing you know okay. We do chickens, chickens for for eggs. So mm -hmm. we supply eggs, and also we do. Um, this will not we cannot please my my measure here. But we are pork producer. Okay, that's nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you know, with the, okay, the, the good is with pork. I think it's um, uh, an area where it's, it's up. yeah, it's it's a. Uh, Okay, you, you can produce quite a lot in a in a short period, yeah, um, but yeah. also because we, as we know, okay, most of these, uh, you know, type of businesses there are present, okay, dominated by uh, maybe the Asians, Indians, and the like. Mm -hmm. uh, so you find that okay on the pork side, uh, because of the religion issues, they don't really. that many players, apart from maybe the big one is uh, you know about Ori. Mm -hmm. so oh, it's, yeah. yeah, so it's a, it's an opportunity that if we can you know manage it well and uh, try to scale it up, it's something that can uh, you know can, can work out. Yeah. So so we also we do a bit of goats. Uh, my my wife does quite a lot on the um, uh, irrigation uh, farming, uh, especially for for vegetables and and, and the like. Yeah. And but he's also doing bananas, so there's another side that we're trying to do bananas uh, on on a bigger scale. So he's just trying out a few a few, a few things. Um, some of them work, some some don't. So <laughs> sort of even yeah. even themselves out in the, in the long term. But I think for for the longer term, I think it's mostly the the animal farming that we are really uh, looking as well. It's, so they, uh, they have they have a site and a farm, which is all in one place, yeah. or is it a different site? It's uh, okay. In, in Blanta, we've, we've got two two sites, but are all more or less in the same similar location in Pemba site, but yeah. they're just two, yeah. two separate locations. Mm. And there's another place that is just being developed, but in uh, in Lilongwe. Lilongwe. So yeah, yeah. So basically, those 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 are the are the sites. And, and is there, is there, nice. It's a global vision. The vision is to expand that and reach a certain level in terms of yeah. for, for you, you just produce and sell. I guess there's no processing or anything that you do. Yeah. Yes. So I think at the moment there's no no processing yet, but I think that's where we are. I think move, moving towards. Yeah, so mostly it's the, uh, like the animals, it's mostly just selling them more or less like whole, or you, you kill them and then just prepare them, but you sell them now to, uh, yeah. to the butchers who prepare them, cut them up. But um, we want to to move in that in that value chain more or less. I have to say, yeah. you, can actually, you actually make more, I think, as you were moving from well, from the farm and then uh, mm -hmm. you know, open up like, like butcheries and this, uh, where you can actually sell. Uh, more like value-added products, and you make you can make more more money out of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But it's yeah, so it's the process oh, nice. that we are going through. Nice, nice. Oh, okay, yeah, grab it deep. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> I know you're all right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for you because you are making money out of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I know, I know. Mm. 
All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. So thanks for, for catching up. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks.